Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Beyond the Scare, a brand new horror podcast that will go beyond the terror to talk about all things that make you scream, from film to TV, music and more. And we've reached a very special episode, it's number 10! So I felt it was only right that we spoke about something that I've briefly spoke about in episode one, two, three, everyone before this. Um, I thought it was the perfect time to talk about the one movie franchise that is Scream. The one that I, I fell in love with from the very beginning. And I am joined by very, very special guest, Miss Amy Lamar. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, just, just chilling out. Just a few wee days off here to chill and relax. Um, oh, you can't be that. I know. That's the thing. It's like I worked the Christmas one, so got this little um, New Year period off. So I'm like, okay, chill, relax. Ah, especially with this year, like you deserve a break at least at some point. <laughs> I know it's one of those things. It's like you just don't. Have, it just have felt like a little bit unmotivated season. So I'm like, let's just keep going. Let's do a fun little episode. And let this was like number ten. Should just be a fun one. Um, it might be number ten and number eleven. You never know. Um, and yeah, I know. Well, we're we're recording this like right before New Year's, so it's this is so exciting. Like I'm so I'm so. Um, I'm so grateful that you invited me on to do this one with you because it's, uh, it's a very special one for you and uh, I think when we were talking about it it's very like what similar kind of uh, uh, feelings about this sort of series especially the, the first film. I think that's the thing like we had such when you when you first said that like, you loved like all of these like older slasher movies and literally listed like the sewing including this one and stuff I was like do you know what feels like the perfect person to like talk about something because you love like all the slash not just like one specific like movie like a lot of people are loving like one specific movie which is cool and fine but you loved like a few that were very similar in the sense so it's like well that's because you've got yeah. a nice good like mind to go into and like well you saw these other ones rather than just like, I just saw one of that kind of genre so yeah, like, you can go in with that mind frame of seeing the other movies including ones that similar stars of this franchise have been in I think only one of them has been in a similar <laughs> <Yeah>. movie <laughs> when you when you, when you watch back you're like oh my god like they're all in the same kind of movies like and they all play the same kind of characters <laughs> especially of that time like the 90s slashers that's because like we were born in the 90s so like I mean, especially when this film came out, it was 1996, like, I was only two, <laughs> so um, I shouldn't have been allowed to see that, but uh, as I got older, um, you know, I started, I was, I'm such a scared person, like, when I was younger, and um, it wasn't even, this wasn't the first one I saw, it was actually at a sleepover, I watched A Nightmare on Elm Street, and it was put on, I think it was, like, the third one, though, and I just remember being, like, terrified, and being like, mom, mom, like, they made me watch this, and then I started, like, conquering my fear, and I thought, I'm going to watch, like, all these, like, I had them on VHS. I was like, I'm going to watch, like, Scream and Scream 2 and Scream 3 because as I got older, I must have been in, like, primary school and I was like, I'm going to watch these and just, like, it was a good VHS, but, like, they'd already been used, so I had to rewind them all and... <laughs> <laughs> Back in the days of VHS, for, for anyone listening that doesn't know what VHS is, before there was Blu-ray, before there was 4K, <gasps> before there was DVDs, there was a thing called VHS, which was a videotape that you had to watch. And in order to put it back, as you just said, in order to put it back to the beginning, you had to rewind the whole entire thing. And... Oh. Uh, yeah you also if you were trying to record on the tv you had to make sure you hit record when it, the program was on you couldn't mm -hmm. pre-record it when it was like you couldn't go out and just pre-record a program that was coming on three years later nope you had to be there watching it i remember the few times my dad was at work trying to record buffy and then falling asleep and forgetting <laughs> to turn it back on to the car yeah a few of those times been there 
Oh, you can't beat some good old Buffy as well. Oh. You can, and I feel like we'll probably touch on that um, on Buffy at some point during this episode, since a certain starlet of Buffy, I mean, not a certain starlet, the main girl herself um, appears in one of these um, movies at some point. Yeah. What have you been doing then during these times to kind of keep yourself busy and keep yourself occupied? Oh, well, so this year has been like really sort of a big change for me. Um, I just turned 26 uh, earlier this month and I was like, that's scary in itself. Like I, just saying it is like 26, oh my God. I remember thinking when I was 16, like 10 years ago thinking 26, I'm going to have my life together and <laughs> and I just laugh now because I'm like, it's still not together, but we're getting there bit by bit. And I think this year has been like really sort of um, difficult, but also in a good way, it's made me like, start things like counselling like not to get all like um Debbie Downer about it but you know um people have to do things and go through things and um like Sydney Prescott I'm a fighter you know uh, and uh, <laughs> I, for your own mental health as well I, I just was like I'm going to start counselling and I got closer with my family I've just really like spent a lot of time like reflecting and also doing drag as well like at home has been as you know is <laughs> Uh, well, you're wondering, like, Sterling or wherever it was. You're Paisley. Um, and I'm like, I'm not going in that. Like, it's it's enough effort getting in drag in your bedroom to put the green screen up, like those bloody green screens, I swear to God. Um, <laughs> like, sticking them to your wall with blue tack. Um, yeah, and recording. And I've just been doing a lot of that, really. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been good. Towards the end of 2020, I'm glad we can say goodbye to it. Uh, but... Um, I've definitely went through a lot of changes, let's say that. So, yeah. What about yourself? I, I feel your pain when you're saying about sticking things up. I have to stick, like, the, the curtains are not up with duct tape and all that. Like, there's been those times, that time I um, tried to put it up with tape and caught my nail. I'd already put the nails on because it started to fall down, tried to put it back up, and then the tape, and then the nail got caught in the door. It was a, that was an experience. <laughs> not my actual nail, I had fake nails on at that point. I was like, oh, this is this is fun. It's like, so the only, that's a new excursion I found through in lockdown drag. Um, nails are cute. But uh, we get to mm. do things. It's a different oh story. Aye. <laughs> when you're DIY drag, you've got to do it yourself, and you've got the fake na- the pre-marked nails on, and you like glue them down, and then it's like one pings off. You can't find it, and then like you've only got like one other one that'll fit your nail, and then that's you. You're, you're snookered. I know that was like when we shot Snowflake and a few fell off and I was like right we need to glue we need to reapply and we reapplied and then there was one time I think it fell off and I was like do you know what we're done they're off I was like I'm bothered it's like no one's going to look that closely to my hands we're taking the photographs that's all that matters I was like you're not paying attention to the fact that my thumbnail does not have a nail on it right now definitely I mean I'm absolutely like blown away by like all your sort of your drag endeavors this year despite the pandemic like <laughs> she's like ep new album looks more looks christmas looks halloween looks like well, that's lola fair she turns it out for every season every season there's a different lola um era as you'd call it um because I, I saw your it was the um the, the halloween the five days of halloween looks and i was like just amazed because obviously you did the original final girl Laurie Strode which okay icon and it looked so much like her I was like yes let's do like a like drag reenactment of it like of Halloween um and then I was like wait I was looking back actually yesterday just to see if you had any photos and I was like oh my god she's not done any of like scream yet so I'm interested to see the uh the screenlets coming up because I could see you doing like a a Casey Becker and a 
a Sydney Prescott and a, maybe even a Gail Weathers with those like hideous bangs. See, I, I had to think about this and I was thinking, like, who would you do? And at that point, I was like, Sydney it doesn't really have as much of that, like, iconic moment to kind of, like, reflect on. Everyone was like, you would do Casey. And then I was like, okay, but I was mm. like, but everyone's done Casey. I was like, can I do Gail? So I was like, maybe, possibly. Um, I mean, I yeah. have tried. I did, um, when oh. I thought about this, I did try and look for the factor of, like, a jumper that would look like um, a Casey moment. And I remember um, it was like way, way back when we were allowed to go to the shops and um, I was at work um, and I went out just after because I was in, like I was working in the city centre in one of the shops and I went out after and I was like, I'm walking this way home. So I just popped in and I was like, okay, I'm going to see. And they had the jumper and I was like, hmm, it doesn't work. We didn't have a price tag. She's like, I was like, explain. I was like, no, it's okay. And she's like, oh, why? I was like, oh no. I was like, I'm going to cover it in blood. So I was like, no, I don't think I want to pay that <laughs> price for the fact that I'm about to literally just go rip, rip and cover it in blood. I mean, yeah, I think, <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay, thanks. I was like, because that was the one thing I'm, I will say about the Halloween looks. Um, the the shirt was a shirt that didn't really fit much more um, for Laurie. And then the other outfits were ones I was like, <laughs> yeah, th- th- these don't work. I was like, the black and white check one was what I wore to the Drag Awards that just kept ripping. I was like, someone's like, are you literally just, is the seam in the middle that's cut open already just ripping and ripping every time you move? I was like, yeah, it's very tight, this dress. I was like, so that was why I was like, do you know what? Let's just experiment with them because you're, they're no use to you really normally anyway. So I was like, do you know what? We'll just play about with them. That's why I was like, spray some blood here, work it out. But yeah, I'll be a challenge. But yeah, I think a screaming would be fun. I was like, yeah, we'll see. Might even try Definitely. try to bring him the main man himself, Mr. Ghostface in life. We did we did give Michael a go. So we'll never know. I mean, yeah. Ghostface is a bit more just with makeup. So I could totally see you doing like that sort of thing as well, with just like face paint, makeup kind of thing as well. Um and finding like an interesting way to do it. Like you could even do it like going all the way down like your your chin and your neck the white bit and then like doing that sort of like optical illusion drive like I've, I've got it sorted for you Lola don't you worry you just uh you just need to do it um but we are here to talk about a different slasher movie one that spawned a lot of these um slasher movies um because it started off the new craze of slasher movies so it did it inspired movies like I Know What You Did Last Summer urban legends and kind of then started this new craze of slasher movies um, and we're here to talk about scream that iconic movie Ooh. and it has four movies in total obviously there is an upcoming fifth film which is very relevantly entitled scream we'll get onto the title itself <laughs> and when we talk about the film um and how that's very not i don't want to say it's frustrating but it's very like confusing and it's just like really but um we'll get on to that when we when we yeah. get yeah um, <laughs> we got, got thoughts yeah i have thoughts on that myself um it got a three season tv show on mtv of all channels that went on mtv i know okay but well again we'll, we'll get on to mtv at some point that's life during this episode um originally <laughs> the film and i didn't know this until well i probably did know this but i just had forgotten um the first movie was actually originally titled scary movie the scary movie obviously turned out to be this much more bigger comedy series in total but the original mm-hmm. scream was entitled scary movie because originally it was kind of much more of a piss take of horror but still keeping the elements alive and and it was very unique when it first came out as it included characters who were aware of horror movies. So throughout the whole entire genre of Scream, they talk about all these different horror movies like Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, all these iconic movies that came before it. 
one thing for me I will say about this before we talk about any of the movie in particular is the music because the music for all the films is just it's just spectacular I feel like you, so just, good. you just relate to it so much I literally wrote that in my notes like I think it was the end um, or it's it uh, not to jump ahead too far but like at a certain point of the film there's just the song that's by um, it's called they're, they're a band called Republica and it's um it's that song it's like i know my ex-boyfriend lies and it's just such a good like it sets the the tone so well for like a 90s like party it's like yeah the grunge as a dj i was really like now as a sort of dj in my later life like it's you don't think about it at the time but i definitely when i was re-watching it um for this podcast i was like oh the soundtrack is just so good and just is such a time capsule and um yeah, I just remember, like, because, like, I've got an older brother, and he uh, was a teenager in the 90s, and he, and I was, I was, I'm much younger than him, and uh, he was like, oh, I remember all those songs, and I was like, yeah, it's crazy. It's just the music, though, it just really does, like, you say, like, there's certain points in it that just sets the tone so well, and it just, it just makes the film, it adds to the film, rather than some movies you can see, and the music takes away from the film. Um, for me, this movie um, gives me, like, so many like um, amazing memories it was of course the very very first horror movie that I ever 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 watched um, the first movie that I ever saw was Scream and Horror Genre and Scream 2 um, before Scream 3 came out no it can't have been before Scream 3 came out Scream 3 must have been about in the regions I was like 6 so what would that mean yeah that would be like 2000 times so probably just round about when Scream 3 came out and I can I don't know why I have this vivid memory but I remember it used to it wasn't global it was like another video shop um, that it was and it used to be like just uh, down the town and we used to go into all the time and I, I don't know why I can vividly remember this but literally remember like standing at the desk and there was like DVDs like like there were still like bits of DVDs just beside the counter and up the very very top was Scream 3 and I can just remember it so vividly because I remember the cover and I remember always like wanting to like see what it was and be intrigued to like can't watch it can't watch it it's like we didn't have it I think that was why I ended up being like allowed to watch like Scream like one and two because we had them and like I was always intrigued by them so I think that was one of those memories I can somehow remember for that it's just so interesting to hear what people's like first scary movies are and it's so cool that like this is your one it's one of those things, but I, I even remember having like the full costume and all that too. I remember like those the thing you'd put on to try and scare people and all that. I mean, I even remember, and I remember now seeing it like when people are like, you see collectors and all that, because like I do like memorabilia myself, so I don't mind collecting wee bits and bobs. Um, and I'm mean, seeing like people with all the different masks, and I'm like, oh my god, there's the mask that you got from like Asta that had the one that had the wee like heart thing that you'd squeeze and the, the blood, blood would blood. run. Yeah, the blood would run down its oh. face. I was like, I remember that one. I remember having that. And then I remember it like break and all that. I remember having the knife and all that. Like all of these things that are like so like hard to get nowadays. I said, like, remember when you could walk into Asda, they had like proper, like good, not not even like good screen masks, but they had like good ones, not just the plastic wee sheet one that you get from the pound shops. Cause I remember like <laughs> this Halloween time, and I remember going into a pound shop and I was like, yeah, and I saw one. I was like, this is literally this thin plastic sheet. And I was like, yeah. I was like, times have changed where you could literally just buy like ghost face, like 
stuff and all that. I mean, I still have um, a Halloween decoration, which was a candle of Ghostface. And if you lit it, like blood ran out. It's like uh, eyes and mouth. I've never lit it in my life. I've always said to people, if you oh. ever come in my room and light that candle, I might actually just create It's like, I've literally had it for so long and it's so tempting to see it actually do it. But then at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to ruin the candle because it looks so the good. Yeah, the collector in you is like, I'm keeping this and I might, you know, sell it on or just, you know, when you get older or whatever, you might sell it on and it's been used that it's not going to make much. So you're like, I'm going to keep that and just, you know, I'm not going to light that candle that pours the blood, which is terrifying. <laughs> I know it's just a part of me that's like I want to like I want to like keep it um and then I remember sometimes too like um when you watch them all with like all your like all your friends watching all that and then you would try and play hide and seek but instead of playing hide and seek you'd play like killer where one of your friends like wore the mask and run about and you would try and hide and they had to try and find you all that and then if you were if you were like the first one caught or something you became the killer again all this like all this funny things it used to be oh like, my god yeah the ghost face so mask funny. and all that that is one of those i remember doing that because i remember there's all these bushes and you were trying like run and all that and i you would run up the stairs pretending you were sydney prescott and all that um i don't know if that's maybe why one of my like career goals in my life is to like be in a skinny movie and be in a slasher movie may seem really weird but i would love to like do it one day probably just for the adrenaline rush but i have said that if it ever did happen in my life i'd be like no see if i get one of these pathetic deaths where it's literally over and done in a second i'm like no <laughs> no gal i want a full sarah michelle gather i know what you did last summer death which is like 10 minutes long and then you die oh. at the end i'm completely because when i was watching that i was like this is the kind of death like this death lasts for ages and there's so much suspense so many times he really gets and it doesn't happen like that's the kind of one i'm happening i'd be like nope i'm only doing it if you get <laughs> because you saw yeah, like the one where like you're rooting for them to live and you're like come on you can do it and then like something happens like i, I won't spoil in case no one's listening like seen i know what in case no one's seen i know what you did last summer like one little thing and then it's like your favorite character's gone so i wasn't even like rooting for jennifer love Hewitt that much anyway i think screen set it off when i was younger like wanting to watch all these other kind of ones like i know what you did last summer and it's basically all the ones that scary movie are set or, or sorry all the movies that scary movie are um ripping off i just was like i want to see them and i want to watch them and like like find out what actually happens in them and because they're maybe like serious horrors and it's like oh my god no like I was rooting for you it's like that Tyra Banks saying like I was rooting for you how dare you like I know it and then you're like she just she's a sad moment and the other wee thing I will say to you is that Scream 4 is actually the only movie that I've ever seen twice in the one day at the cinema because I really wanted to go to like the midnight screening because I was like I want to go see it and then there wasn't one so I was like, oh no, that's really sad. So I went to um, like the very first screen at like 11 o'clock that next day. I still have the tickets somewhere. Um, and I went to like the first screen with my friend. And then at night I went again to see like the last screen with someone else. And I was like, yep, twice in the one day. <laughs> um, but sadly, I did read online who they were for that film. So I did get spoiled. But we'll talk about spoilers oh. again, probably in the same film of Scream 2. However, let's dive right in to the very first movie, the movie that started all the craze in 1996. Um, and Scream, for those of you who don't know, um, and just a little heads up for any of you that are listening, if you haven't seen Scream, where have you been? Because it's like such an iconic horror movie <laughs> in life. Um, and if you haven't seen it, please don't keep listening because you're going to get spoiled all the way through this part. So, um, yeah, maybe go watch it. I don't think it's on Netflix or anything like that. It's a very popular film. It might be on MTV, you never know. Uh, yeah, if you've watched the TV show before the films, 
go make yourself feel better about the, the, seeing the films. But we'll dive right in to the film. And for a little synopsis for y'all, um, Scream is about a year after Sydney's mother is murdered, more murders start to occur. She begins to suspect if these murders are related and tries to find the killer as everyone seems to be a suspect. Because everybody's a suspect, although that's much more Everybody's a suspect. Yeah, I was like that. That's a line from the second film, and it says. Um, but yeah, Scream is like we said already. It's a very, um, it's a horror slasher movie, but it does have um, a different combination from what other horror films have. A lot more of your Halloween and your Nightmare on Elm Streets have um, taken the approach of just being like just being straight up horror movies where there's Scream took much more of an approach to kind of be not as such a comedy but kind of tried to to take the piss out of other things but it turned into be a little bit different from that because it became much more of a horror um, icon and a horror legend and um, what I will say right now is Scream actually was the biggest earning slasher movie of all time Right up until 2018, when Halloween 2018 came and kicked out the way and made just that little bit more money for it, um, because Scream made 173 million at the box office, but Halloween just slightly bumped that, um, and I'm sure Halloween made like um, 180 million or something like that. But yeah, it was it was a very very big film back in the day. Um, and it reinvented horror and began that new era, like we say it. It gave you, and we did that summer, urban legends and movies like that. Um, at first, though, when the movie was made and the movie was put together, it originally struggled to get a release because of the release date coming up and things like that. And each movie has to be sent off to get a rating before it can be released into the cinema. Um, so that you know that the right, correct audience is getting to see it. Um, and unfortunately, when they sent Scream off, Scream was much too violent and it wasn't right um, for a cinema audience. And they were trying to give it an NC-17 rating. So for people in the UK who maybe don't know what that is an NC-17 is um, above an 18 so it's well past it's much more what people class kind of as like your pornography films and things like that it's much it's past like being a movie that you would show in the cinema um for that and they didn't want that as much as the film company had released films with that rating they didn't want that to happen West wanted it to have an R rating so a lot of things in this movie had to be dumbed down a little just so that it could kind of slide under the barrier because no matter how many they sent to them I read something that said that he sent like eight versions of this movie to them and they were still slightly not budging to even give them the R rating until they sat them down and explained everything all that to them and eventually in the end they took wee bits out and they got it certain things that got slightly cut you can find them somewhere online you can see the the, the actual versions of it and when you watch nowadays when you watch the version that they of the scenes that were cut you do watch them and go so why did they cut them <laughs> because those things yeah, it's, it's like in the opening scene it's like it's just shows a bit longer and it's a bit gorier of like one of the characters deaths and it's like okay but like you still see it anyway for like just a short amount of time um you know the bit i'm talking about and i was like um like the guy just moves his hand and then his organs swallow and I was like well they were hanging out anyway when you see them so what's the yeah come on like, really America it's is like weird. what's the point and I think that's the thing reading the things as well like when you see like another part that they cut as well was in um, when Kenny the cameraman gets his throat slit um the very last expression he made wasn't um he didn't think was um nice because it wasn't something that they thought would be um 
suitable for I know a film that everyone gets killed in and someone's last facial expression sets you off to make a rating very different um, back in these yeah. times they were very very different probably now if Scream was rated it probably would be a 15 in this country because Scream I think Scream 3, 4 is only an 18 probably Scream 5 will probably be a 15 too it's not one of those it's not a bad thing um, it, that's when it comes to more of a shock though when like Halloween became an 18 I was like oh we're verging on that Halloween kills will probably be an 18 in this country too um, I know it's an R in America but um, probably an 18 in this country and other things that you just saw getting cut was like when Tatum gets her head crushed and one thing that I found was really funny especially in a film about this was like one part that they had to cut down a little bit was when Two people towards the end of the movie, i.e. potentially killers, never know. Well, you do know if you saw the film and probably if you're listening, you probably gather who we're talking about. And when they stab each other, and one thing they had to cut was they were stabbing each other and it looked too realistic and the blood falling to the floor and you're sitting thinking, you literally have just watched the film where someone got their head crushed, other people got killed, and you're like, okay, cool beans, if that's what, if that's cool, that's what I'm saying. Nowadays, though, it's just one of those moments you're like, yeah. Probably would you you'd get the pure fine like fine cut with that. Um, one thing <laughs> to say though is that your very first leading lady off screen, Miss Drew Barrymore, was actually originally offered to play Sydney, but she said no. She turned it down because she wanted to be the opening death of the movie. She thought that a big star who's on the poster and everything for this movie someone at that time who was a very big name, you thought it's fine. They're not going to kill her off in the first fifty minutes. And guess what? They kill her off in less than 15 minutes. So don't you worry, she didn't even last 15 minutes in this movie um, before she got killed off. And that was one of those things that takes you by surprise and something that changed up the game because you think that these big names are going to last through this movie and the people that you maybe don't know are just going to get killed off. And yes, in fine fair fact, a lot of the people who are bigger actors in a few of these movies do live on to... Um, towards the end of the movie or throughout into another movie but um, it, bringing some of these bigger names in um, like Drew Barrymore like Sarah Michelle Gellar at the time like Jada Pickett um, all these people you're bringing in are the bigger people that you then just kill off because you don't expect these people to get killed off but it was also credited for revitalising horror after a decreasing time with um, much more direct uh, um, video movies. Um, one thing about this movie, before we just crack right into it, is one of the deaths in the movie wasn't actually originally in the movie. Um, however, it had to be added into the movie because they realised as they went on that 30 pages of um, the script, which is a minute per page, if you go by that, each each page is like a minute of screen time. Um, 30 pages went by and nobody died. And they didn't like that. <laughs> so, guess what happened? Someone died in those 30 minutes. And the person that dies in those 30 minutes is the principal. Um, and he was yeah. added into it, which kind of now makes a lot more sense of why you see a film. Because when I was watching it again, I was like, why do you die? Is there a point to you dying? And now that you know it was just flung in, you're like, I get it. I know. Like, when I was re-watching, I was like, like... In my mind, I was just piecing it. Like, the true crime in me was, like, thinking, like, the, the janitor's out there, and it's in a school, and, like, how would you not hear him? Like, and, and it's, like, clearly they just added it in last minute, and we're, like, right, let's just kill this guy. It's one of those things you do see that a lot of time you do go through horror movies in one entire, you're just flung into full time. 
you're, like you're, like, you're you're not there you're not there to actually add to this story you're just there to fill in time i think the one thing for me about this song that's really like intense and suspense is the fact that you don't know who it is when a lot of um horror films and slasher films before of course there has been a few and all that but um beforehand things like your halloween your nightmare on elm street your friday the 13th your texas chainsaw all of these films you know who that serial killer is regardless of what film you watch whether you watch one um four six whatever you know who it is because it's the same person or the same monster or whatever you call it because obviously after like four jason's not a human being and freddy's not an alive so it's monster whatever we're calling it here um and <laughs> i think that's the thing with this film so it just adds the suspense to not knowing who they are at all yeah it's like who's behind the ghost mask like like what's their reason for doing it because you know it's and throughout all the series it's always like you're always it doesn't matter what film it is you're watching like whether it's one two three four it's like who is it what's their motive and why are they doing it and Whereas, like, things, people like Freddie, Michael, and Jason um, are just, like, they, they just, they just, well, one, they're invincible, as you said, like, they just get more supernatural as they go on, and um, it's, it's quite, it's quite, it's more realistic, and it makes you think, like, people were more scared with this kind of film, because it's, like, who, like, who is it? Could it be your, your classmate? Could it be your neighbour? Could it be, uh, friend or family member I mean it was like so so insane watching it and uh definitely in the first scene you're like why are they doing this to her <laughs> like why are they doing this to Casey <laughs> I think that's the thing like you see I feel for me the reason I much prefer these films is because they are much more realistic like Scream could happen to you anytime like it literally could happen to you where there's like all these other supernatural films i'm not saying these things aren't real if you believe in these things then that is obviously your own choice i mean i'm not saying i believe in every supernatural <laughs> being thing i say that sitting in front of an annabelle doll um, <laughs> don't you come to life you um, <laughs> you just stay there <laughs> i mean i did try and watch annabelle one day I, not annabelle i tried to watch the conjuring um, and the light was off and i was sitting here in front of it and then i had to turn it off because i was like nope this is too traumatic for me i was like i, I ended up i was talking to the doll i was like just you behave um <laughs> we're, we're off track there um, but yeah no I, I think these are much more realistic because they just feel so much more scarier in that sense because of that because you're just like these could really happen to you um and obviously the, the film opens up with um, Casey Baker making popcorn for um her movie to watch herself as you may think right this second um and you get that very iconic line for the very first time you like scary movies what's your favorite scary movie the most iconic line that comes from the full entire film and then they kind of start to go on and talk about all these things and she's like I like the one with the guy in the white mask that runs around and socks babysitters and he's like oh um, the one with the guy who had nicer fingers obviously referencing to Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger back to the horror movies and the slasher movies that came before um, which is a very different thing about this movie but it eases you in with a conversation with him he's just having like a kind of harmless conversation just a conversation topic of what you would ask what's your favorite skinny movie what you're interested in and then flings in that twist of um i'm interested in you with that kind of little secret twist of um you never told me your name because i want to know who i'm looking at and then tries to change it around of because i want to know who i'm talking to 
yeah, and she's like, that's not what you said. And then it's like, we know that he didn't say either. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And then it's like, you're freaking out thinking, because she's looking around like, oh my God, what's going on? Like, are you, can you see me? And then like, we're like looking everywhere behind her, like, because it's in her house. Like she's got big glass windows and doors and you're like, where's the, <laughs> like, where's the killer? Where is he? And um, the thing as well, I, 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 when I was watching it yesterday, I was like, like, he's got like a really like, like the, the voice is really like sort of, sexy and quite like it, 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 it is i'm like ooh, get a bit i would be on the phone i'd be i would be in her situation but i'd be probably like yeah come get me like i'm done i'm doing nothing so hit me up catch me outside or catch me inside how about that i think that is where you start to then see the film you take a big twist and um he says and i saw this other day people saying like what's your favorite lines and what's memorable lines and of course i feel like this is a very memorable line when he she hangs up the phone again and he's like she's like bye now and he says don't hang up on me but she hangs up anyway she makes that mistake and he hangs back up and she's like yeah and he says no you listen to me a little bit she hang up on me again and i'll gut you like a fish understand oh He's getting very, it's very intense from the get-go. He's not, he's giving you a full entire vision of what he wants to do to her. And um, obviously, like, kind of jumping the gun a tiny wee bit. He does gut her like a fish and hang her from a tree. <laughs> so he literally does Spoiler. exactly. And I think that's the thing that I noticed when watching this film again. A lot of it, literally, you get told exactly what's about to happen before it happens. But you don't think that's actually what's going to happen before it happens. There's so many no. moments in that film. You're like, it literally tells you this is what's going to happen before it happens. And you're like, oh. Um, and I think that's the thing with this. He starts to obviously play a game with these victims before you die. He never, he never likes to just like go in for the kill. There's only maybe like, I don't even know if there's many in the in the scream genre where they do just die automatically without having like a game played with them. Maybe much more in the fourth film. There's probably more ones that happen just off the cuff of him appearing and that happening without a game being played before. But um, much more the first two films, it's a lot more games that you played. They get kind of teased before. Like he obviously starts to press the doorbell and things like that. And um you get a lot of um, iconic moments when he's like, you should never say who's there, don't you watch scary movies, it's a death wish, you might as well come out and say to investigate a strange noise or something. Um, and I think that's the thing, it, the, the fact that this whole entire movie and even the second movie and stuff, they reference to the factor of if this was a movie, like it's one of those things you are watching a movie, but they're referencing as if this is their real life happening, which I think is something that draws you a lot more into it because it makes you believe that you're not watching a movie. It's like you're watching something really happen and unfold in front of you that's kind of drawing you a lot more into it rather than being like, oh, this is just a movie. Like, it's cool. It's trying to deter you away from thinking this is just a movie you're watching, do you know what I mean? And kind of bring that scary element a lot more to it. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's um, it's so, like, you're because you're, you're like, we love Drew Barrymore, so we're already rooting for her. And uh, it's so, like, when he starts talking about, um, like, what he's going to do to her, like you said, and you're just like, that's horrifying. And her face, she's such a good actress, and her face, she's just like, when you feel the terror, like, it's horrible. And... Then he's, he's like ringing the doorbell and she's like, ah, like freaking out. And then um, she's like, who's there? Who's there? And then she's like, I'm calling the police. Then he calls her again before she even gets to the phone. And it's like, she doesn't, she's like trapped and it's it's so scary and it makes you feel so tense already. And it's only like five minutes in. And she, he like friends her again. And then she's like, um, 
my boyfriend will be here any minute and he's big and he plays football and he'll kick the shit out of you. And it's just so iconic. And it's, oh, it's, it's just so good. She basically turns the lights on and sees her boyfriend in the end, tries to go in. You are right. They do jump into yeah. the guessing game of um, the questions um, for the iconic game. And you get the name of the killer and Halloween um, and you get all that. I would say he tricked her. It was a very big trick question yeah. um, that she got. Name the killer in Friday the 13th. Probably if you asked anyone to name the killer in Friday the 13th, you would say Jason, because Jason is the killer of Friday the 13th. He is he is the main person you yeah. would think. Um, however, I feel like he's been like any true horror fan. If you turned around and asked a horror person who loves horror, who's the killer in Friday the 13th, they would probably turn in and give you that fine answer of, well, if you're specifying Friday the 13th, the film, um, it's actually Pamela Voorhees, but Jason is the main mm-hmm. killer in Friday the 13th too onward. One of those people that was very pernicky about like, the question answer um, point of that. Um, but I feel like if it came up in a quiz show, who was the killer in Friday the 13th, it probably would be Jason would be the answer. Um, so it was yeah, for the whole franchise, it's like everyone just thinks Jason and all his different iterations, like Jason, um, Jason X, Jason in space. It doesn't matter; it's always Jason. And like, it's it's so it's so sham because like I remember watching it obviously back in the day when I first watched it. I was like, it is because I'd seen Friday the Thirteenth, and uh, it wasn't the first one though. It was just I just knew it was Jason, and I was like, she said Jason, and I was like, oh, she got it right, yes, and then. Well, it turns out she's wrong, and it was Mrs. Voorhees. And then after watching the first film, the first Friday the 13th, I was like, oh, damn, he was right. Like, he he tricked her, and it's such a shame, because then she's like, no, and, you know, what's going to happen? And it's when um, she says, you tricked me, and then he's like, oh, well, you know, I'll give you another chance, but poor Steve, he's He's out. out. And then, oh, it's just so good. And then you just hear, like, the, the gut in, and then she turns on the lights, and then it's just, it's pure gore. And it's the first kill of the whole series. And it's just sets the tone so well. It's like no one's safe and uh, it's just gory and oh, it's so good. And that's what I was saying earlier when they cut it, they only they cut basically him just holding his insides in and then it just, it just can't because he's dying and it just falls out. And I was like, it's still horrible no matter what way you look at it. <laughs> It's one of the things, it's horrible and like you say, it does like completely set the scene and set the tone of this movie. Like it's not gonna be like just a very simple cutthroat slasher movie. Like it's literally gonna be like a gory kind of slasher movie, as much as it's trying to incorporate a comedy side to it, it is very much not trying to like stray away from being a horror film at the center. Um, I think for me there's one line there that is very iconic is when she says it and says I saw that movie 20 goddamn times I'm like I've probably just screamed <laughs> 20 goddamn times or more so I can like do it <laughs> it, it's at the point when you're taking notes for this and you're going yeah and already I've done it like looking looking at notes and going yeah that's cool and then be like yeah when she says this that's not in my notes but I remember because I've saw the film that many times I'm like this is the line that she actually said in the film <laughs> yeah <laughs> watching it like oh my god this is just such a good opening scene 
Yes, and I think that's the one thing about this movie when and a choice that she made that was probably one of the best choices she made to not play Sydney and to play that scene was when you think of screaming people think of it as much as you think of like Sydney and Gail and all these things. Probably if you spoke to people who maybe aren't like horror fans or have just saw Scream once or whatever, they probably will tell you and remind you of like Drew Barrymore and Drew Barrymore's moment at the very beginning. Like as much as it's less and less airtime than anyone else in that movie. It's the most iconic moment of that full entire franchise, not even just the one movie itself, of the full entire franchise. Like you say, it's the person that people want to like be at Halloween and all that and things in the movie straight away and things like that. It's the one that people go to and think of um Scream, which is which was a good, a good, a good plot twist for um the movie. I think as well the good thing that they held was the suspense of what he looked like. Um because I mean and also just to clarify we're only going to say he because they reference he throughout every one of the films we're not yeah. we're not misgendering them it, it, <laughs> it can be a she as well but we will go on to that in a wee second but it can be a she there is there is a female killer in the second film and in the fourth film and there was meant to be in the third film too but um they always refer to him as he like um a lot of the time um, throughout these franchises and majority of the time it is men that are the killers. But we'll get on to the the masculinity um, side of it in a wee second from specific lines that recur in a few scenes down the road. um, Down the road, down the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's uh, the the whole, like... um, way the tension's built up with like the cinematography of like the moments where she's like standing there she can see the car driving up and all that and it's it's so close it gets so far so close so far and it's just i know when you watch it back you're like if you had just oh because basically she like the house is smoked up because she's left the popcorn on and um as you said the killer is very slowly revealed like it's like you it's you see like his figure running past the doorway when she's looking back and then it looks like it's all like it's black and it's this sort of um loose fabric and you're like oh my god what, what even now when you watch it you're like what the hell was that and then you're in her you put yourself in her shoes because you want her to, to to get out and live and then you're like she's walk, making her way for the kitchen and then she like goes outside and then she looks back in and then through the smoke she you, you don't see it for too long do you you just see like a quick yeah it's just and it glimpses. just keeps getting closer and closer to to like towards the kitchen and then she's like she she looks down the road and she sees her parents coming and you're like right just run and i was watching it thinking if she had just ran straight for that cornfield she probably would have been safer as well like why are we running around looking around in the windows and that but i mean back then that's exactly you know, she, what i thought she didn't have our knowledge you know of uh, horrors so, so <laughs> we're the final gaze like you know exactly and i feel like um we we are people that do exactly what um, Jason Pickett does in the second film, shouting at that cinema screen, telling you what you should do. <laughs> and we are the, <laughs> the phone and star sixty nine is ass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of those few moments. Um, but it's one of those things. Like it, it does. Like um, not like you say the the first time you properly clearly see his mask is when um, she goes to crawls along and gets to the window and she looks up and then he turns around and that's the first time you fully see ghost face for themselves and um, it, it's just such a tense um moment because you're like she's trying to run and she can't run and all these things and um, it's moments where she gets stabbed and all that and then she gets strangled and she can't talk I mean I don't know why she didn't fling the phone onto the um 
onto like the decking to make a noise and then they would have sore but hey right. well, like we're back we're back there that would change a whole entire movie this would be a different thing but I was like we'll, 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 we'll believe that that's what she should have done um but obviously she dies and then the phone's dragging along and they can hear her and all that and um as she's getting dragged along the grass and all that um and then the mum walks out and goes to walk away and she's hanging by the tree with our guts on the outside because he, he got her like a fish like exactly how mm-hmm. he told her right at the beginning he didn't he didn't try and cut around the bush he just cut right in our guts like exactly what he said um so yeah you see you see you see casey's eye and then you crack on straight into the the main part of the movie you meet billy you meet sydney and um, when billy sneaks into our room um but um, she's saving herself for that special time. She's she's a bit traumatized by the experience of um, our mum and all that went through because um, people were calling her mum a whore and our slut and things like that. So she doesn't really want to just be sleeping about and things like that. And you kind of discover and unveil that more as the as the movie goes on. Um, one moment there that I thought was quite funny was um, when he gets he's like oh the exorcist was on and it got me thinking of his and you're like okay that's nice um, a movie about a possession of a girl made you think of your girlfriend <laughs> romantic eh no wonder she doesn't want touched by you like oh I literally wrote Billy like this is my my only third note and it's at that scene I wrote Billy has a creep and has greasy hair he does <laughs> Like, he just crawls through and he has such a creepy looking face and I've never liked him or saw anything about him that's like but I never the thing is on the first watch I didn't think he was a killer even though I'd seen scary movie but I just was like there's something about him he's giving me the heebie-jeebies like I don't like it I think that's the thing he just does and it's the way he's like he's going on like oh we started off as a, a nice R rating relationship on the way to a nice NC-17 but then these past few years um, we've just changed and you're thinking you you are being so selfish here right now thinking of yourself and wanting to get your whole that you're not actually thinking that this girl has went through such a traumatic experience the last year and all that because not even just the factor of her mother being murdered, but like when you see scenes later on, she gets like teased in school and all that for like who her mum was and things like that. So like she's been going through such a traumatic time and you're just like, yeah, you're not, you're not giving me a whole. And you're like, right, it's a bit, a bit of a weird, a, a weird moment there. Yeah, he does it all the, all the time during the film. And it's like, just like when you, because we know the backstory and it's like, or like the poor lassie is like, got probably trauma it was only a year ago and it was like her mum like come on really and like he's just like he's like oh yeah we were going so it's clearly in the timeline in the relationship it was going really well and then like obviously her mum died so that's not gonna I mean that's horrible and then he's like just making it about him it's just so like that he's just I don't know I just get like a big narcissist vibe off him and it's horrible like toxic masculinity and he he doesn't have a good a good vibe about him really from the get-go but you want to kind of like believe like he's he's a nice guy because like you're like well he's with her like he must he must be all right if she's with him but um obviously as the film goes on you kind of start to unveil that he's not um a funny moment i think there is when he goes to climb out the window and she goes when she turns around and goes to Billy, would you settle for a PG thirteen relationship? And she flashes a boob at him. Um, I think like that's quite quite a, quite a funny wee moment and sees how you're trying to incorporate um, some of these like kind of humour into the horror movie as well. I put her nightgown is ugly. 
<laughs> you're like, I'm feeling good for uh, some details here. Like, nightdress, ugly, not it. I literally, nightdress, ugly. Billy is a creep and has greasy hair throughout the whole film. I don't know if it was a 90s thing, and I get the whole grunge thing, because I also wrote, like, the whole thing, like, to do with the soundtrack we were talking about earlier. Like, the soundtrack at this point of the film is, like, really, like, I love it. It's very, like, sensual, like, 90s, slow grunge, but then also, like, throughout the film, like, the fashion's great, so I wanted to point that out as well. Um, but the hair is not happening for him, like, not feeling it. And it just adds to the creepiness. Yeah, I can I can see that. But it, it's not by far the worst hairstyle in the Scream franchise. I mean, we'll get on oh, to no, those we'll infamous bangs. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Don't, don't you worry. If you thought you were listening to horror <laughs> podcasts and we weren't going to talk about those infamous bangs, you clearly thought you were listening to this straight heterosexual podcast. No, we're going to talk about those infamous bangs. Don't you worry. <laughs> we get to that one. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> But obviously she goes back to school the next day And it kind of starts to bring up all these memories for her Because Tatum's given her full entire conversation about like This happens and they, they got gutted and things like that And um, I'm sure she specifically does say that you, they had their guts on the outside And um, she says that Dewey says that this has been like The worst murster, the worst um, case in crime in history um, Worse than, and she goes, oh well you know and she's like she doesn't want to say it's worse than um our mother's murder um but she knows exactly like they're, they're trying to make it like it, this is a much worse case than what um, Maureen Prescott's murder was so it's starting to then bring back these things for Sydney because she's remembering like all these times were when it happened last year to her um and obviously she goes to like the wee police interview and things like that. And she starts to kind of get the, the reminiscence of how where she was before and this all happened. Um and they get set a curfew, so they have to be they have to be um home early and things like that. Not not as worse a curfew as they get later on. They do get a worse one. Um it's not as bad as lockdown though. I mean they don't quite get locked. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> Being by nine o'clock, things still happen, don't we? Um no, at least they could go out. I know they could um, and then you get that little iconic scene where they're at the, the fountain um, and it's kind of weird because when you watch it now you're, you're at first I never really thought about it but when you watch it it's like two couples and Randy just a wee third yeah. wheeler along in this whole entire conversation and I feel like automatically I mean I don't know if that's just like looking at it now from perspective you sometimes do automatically think he's probably just gay that's probably why he's the wee third wheel there because you're like tagging along with the girls and all that and their boyfriend and you're like it's just really random um, yeah he's he's always like the sort of hanger on or no matter what like he's uh, he's always just there and uh, he's just being really like weird but funny like he's one of my favorite characters just because he's so like he's he just is very like he's got that dark humor but he's very he's like the nerdy like outcast kind of guy but then their friendship groups like they're not I don't think they're the most popular people in school when you when you look back because there's obviously like I guess numerically like jocks and cheerleaders and all that and then as we know later on there's like more popular girls bitching about Sin, uh, Sydney so um, I don't know where they fall in the, the sort of uh, chain of uh, at school where, the, where they would be but they um, Tatum's clearly the most like oh my god most popular kind of one and uh, and Stu as well but Billy is weird and uh Randy's just sort of like nerdy outcast and Sydney's just like I would see her as like the sort of theatre kind of drama girl like the Rachel Berry of uh, the school (laughs) I think I think that's the thing like this whole scene as well is just like it's very weird because I feel like when you watch it the first thing you maybe don't notice as much but when you watch it 
back the the next time, knowing exactly who um, is underneath the ghost face mask, yeah. you kind of I feel like seeing this scene, see the tension between um, Billy and Stu. You can see yeah. that tension when they're talking about like, oh, um, like you, you stab them and things like this, and they're kind of like back and forth. You can kind of feel there's like a a, a tension in the air, um, and they make a, a reference in the scene as well to um, basic instincts because um, Stu says that it would take a man to do it. He says, Casey and Steve were completely hollowed out. The fact is it takes a man to do something like that. Now that's quite sexist. Um, yeah, which Tatum points out, she's which, like, that's uh, basic instinct. Exactly, <laughs> and they're like, that was an ice pick. Still doesn't the point, like, it was still, she was still, it was still a woman, and I think... Um, that's where this film kind of tackles some issues like that because they start to then um, give you that aspect where she's like standing up for herself and she's like, nah, that's not right. Like, it could be a woman. Why couldn't I do that? Um, and I think obviously as the, the film's progress and you see like who killers are in the next few films, um, you you see that um, happen. Because um, obviously like the next film, it's like an old woman that's doing it. Not old, old, yeah. but like <laughs> a very middle-aged woman. Um, and you still that's wonder... Sort of- like a Mrs. Voorhees kind of type. Yeah, you still wonder watching it. What ones did you actually do? Because some of the ones this came to are quite intense. Can't see her doing that. I can't see her ch- chasing Casey all the way up the stairs. Casey, sorry. CC. CC, close. Yep. Both began with C. It's copycat. Same similar situation. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's some of the ones like that and the ones where like um, with the Gale death and all that too. There's lots of these ones that are very... Um, Gale death, sorry. Um, do these kind of like um, death moment things like that there's a lot there that are very very you're like hmm I don't know very masculine like, yeah or, you're like, like just the way but it's one of those things I think that it is one of those things you can't judge a lot of these films because the thing with all of these films is working out who killed who is underneath Ghostface is the same person all of the time anyway um, it's yeah. generally the only time that you actually see the actors who are playing the character is when they take the mask off that like they don't actually do the actual killing spree parts of it it's an actual stuntman or another person that's brought in to play Ghostface um, with the mask on um, the only time you ever generally see them is when they unmask themselves so you probably never ever saw her in an actual costume because you never see it at all in it but they do have some back to back to to, to scream um and you have a lot of funny moments here where you have the whole did you really put a liver in the mailbox and you have all these funny <laughs> funny mem- that was a weird accent don't don't judge um, <laughs> never heard you do that before and um it's because he puts on a funny accent i gave it a try without thinking about it um, it was good uh, it was quite like his it's like sort of like a like a weird like you, you, you like kind of weird like did you really put a liver in the mailbox because it's like a, it's just such a weird accent but it's like yeah. That's what I mean I love about Randy is he's so weird and he brings a bit of comic relief. Even though Stu is quite like that as well, his personality, like he's played so well by Matthew Lillard who played Shaggy in this, the live action Scooby-Doo. Um, you can t- like, I think that's another thing that I know him from is uh, this and uh, Scooby-Doo. And in uh, this, he's just so like, like he's just so like weird and like such a strange character because he's been so as well the spoiler obviously like he is the killer but like he he's one of them but he the whole time he's acting so like he's more like the like the more cocky one and he's yeah. making all these jokes along with randy whereas billy's like shut up like it's called it's like he's like it's called tech you fuck rag like and he's trying to like play it down but i think that's where you see a lot of that tension come out like you see when he says it's called tact and all that and he's mm-hmm. trying to like and 
he's even correcting him and you can see who's kind of the much more of the leader of the two um, but yeah. you, you see that when they kind of start to unveil their motives um, at the end of the film and stuff like that and you can see at that point where the conversation just becomes a bit much um, for Sydney and she leaves and then um, it comes into um, what's leading up to the very first moment where they both meet each other it seems so romantic, but when Ghost Lady meets Sydney, it's not romantic at all. Um, so <laughs> she's at home and she's alone because her dad is away on a business trip, um, in quotations, because you'll find out that he's not really in a minute. But I think even this is where I thought the music really sets the tone. And watching it again, knowing what happens um, when you see her and she opens up the closet door and it kind of builds the music like and it's like building suspense as if something's in the closet door um, I think it just like it's, it's kind of then setting you up to like believe that someone's going to come in that closet door and it's like oh it's not um, obviously later on um, Ghostface is in the closet um, and comes out of there so it kind of is weird that it builds that suspense of again it's telling you what's about to happen before it yeah. happens but without actually realising it's about to tell you that um, and they obviously go into rent movies from the video store what you would all do now is go online and download digital forms of anything or watch Netflix that's what you would mm-hmm. used to go to the video shop <laughs> but back in the day there was those video shops you had Blockbuster Global all these all these places um, and Tatum's away to get a video and she's like oh let's write Tom Cruise all the right moves if you pass it just right you can see his penis yes. <laughs> <laughs> and nowadays everyone would just go online and probably Google Tom Cruise's penis and probably see if you can find it um, <laughs> Google search Tom Cruise nude <laughs> exactly but back in the day that you'd have to like rent the movie to do that and you're like nowadays you're like now nah, technology um so think of the, the struggles people had to to see that back in the day think of that struggle um i also like how like when i watched that i was like i love how like it's a girl like it's two girls having that conversation and like like i love that whole thing about like this movie is that like tatum's like this like strong sassy like she doesn't care kind of thing and it's very 90s that sort of like attitude um that group that women character like female characters had it was very much like oh like she's she's been the sexual one whereas like you know and Sydney's like oh just get over here like hurry up and then like she's like the sort of um oh, the sort of outgoing kind of like uh, doesn't care of what she says and is taking charge and it is like and when she said earlier at the, at the fountain scene she's like oh well the killer could have been a woman she's very much like like pro-feminist and it's so good because it's like Rose McGowan that plays her and she is such a feminist in real life like it's great I think that's the thing because it gives it gives that such contrast to a lot of previous like horror movies that were very masculine and it was very much more the male was the kind of thing and all that whether it's like showing you that it's like anyone can be it and like you see it's it's the whole the feminist side where she's like nah she's like it could be a woman um like how could yeah. i not have done it and then like you say she's the one been all pure sexy and kind of like dirty and all this and flirty and things like that and you're like yeah like even even like even later on like it, when she dies she's even trying to be like flirty and sexy at the same time um yeah. and she's about to die um like even those moments it's kind of like she's very much like that which is a really good like contrast compared to like all these other um slash movies and things that came before that 
obviously now is the moment that you everyone has been waiting for. Were they going to meet for the first time? And the phone rings. She thinks it's Randy because he's talking about all these horror movies. And he's like, and she's like, I write that thing you're doing with your voice, Randy. It's sexy. Kind of bringing that whole, trying to just have a, a funny chat with who she thinks is her pal. But she's like, nah, nah, mm, oh. And then he's like, um, what's your favorite scary movie? And she's like, oh, you know, I don't watch that shit. What's the point? They're all the same sub big breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door it's insulting um, one of the clips that I use in my Sydney mix because um, it's because I I feel it's one of those it's an iconic Sydney line because you're like she literally is telling you stating the obvious and taking the piss out of the fact that you can probably go watch many slasher movies before and they literally just run up the stairs when you should literally be going out the front door and I even said <laughs> It is. It isn't something because you're like, you just done being so stupid. And um, I even did that in um, my song Killer Christmas um, because it's like, in, in the verse, I was like, um, I go upstairs to investigate and then I think, what the hell am I doing? I should be running out the front door right into my car and driving the hell away. I'm like, I took the wee piss at that moment there because I was like, it's literally one of those horror slasher movie moments. You're like, you ran up the stairs. Sarah Michelle Gellar does that in the next movie. Yep. It's like, people people do it in the mall. I mean, we, we won't counteract the factor that in like three minutes time, Sydney runs up the stairs instead of at the front door. She does try and get out the front door, but it's locked. Like, we'll, we'll give her a due. She did try we have to give it our due here like it, it was her just being precautious thinking yeah well, the killer was saying he was on the porch and he was outside so she's clearly locked the door and was like she's like fuck you you creating and then closes the door and locks it not knowing that he's in the house but then it's like shit turned against her so like it does make you think like in all these situations maybe the girl was like they they were the ones that they, they were just being extra cautious and they've locked the door and then they've like by being extra cautious they've Got no choice but to run up the stairs. <laughs> in a way, they've screwed themselves over rather than being helpful to themselves. Like you say, she continues the phone call and she's she's not even scared to um, call his bluff, which is I think is the thing because she goes outside to look for him thinking it's a joke. Um, and then kind of comes the much more intenseness to it because he's like, um, if you hang up with me again, you'll die just like your mother. Um, she's already gone through a traumatic experience and now he's threatening to like bring back all these things. Um, and then like you say, the surprise is that he's not actually on the porch. He's in the cupboard. Yeah, that you highlighted earlier. That <laughs> they, when you open it up, it's like that weird sort of, um, as I said, the score in this film is like amazing. It just opens it and it's like a really tense, like, oh, there's, there's, there's something about that cupboard. And then she shuts the door. Bam, he just comes running out. And you're like, oh, shit. That's like the first moment that you jump because you're like, oh, my God. And then you think, OK, what's she going to do? Try, she tries the door. It's locked because she was being too cautious. She has no time. So she's going to be like the big breasted girl who can't act who runs up the stairs. As she runs all the way up those stairs. Um, I feel like the one picture, I don't know why they pick this picture, but sometimes when you search Ghostface and you see posters and people pick a picture, it's from this moment where um, he bangs her head on the floor and then he goes to like. Yeah. So it's, somehow this is the picture from the angle of like the first thing that a good picture of Ghostface or a shot from the movie because that's the picture they use of the shot of Ghostface from the floor up to the the ceiling as if it's from her point of view. Um, however, yeah. it took far too long to like try and like attack her. That she ends up like you see, she runs up the stairs. Um, she says that the double double door, um, lock one door, one door, <laughs> um, and yeah, she puts the cupboard door in her room against her door like her bedroom door and because it's sort of behind it and then if someone opens it like we see earlier in the film when 
her dad tries it because she he hears her screaming when Billy comes through the window. She's like it like jams against it, and then you know the same. She knows what's going on, so she does it again um, after running up uh, the stairs, and uh, the killer is just swiping, trying to get through, like <laughs> going ham, and uh, then she goes on her computer, her Dell. Shitty Microsoft probably, I don't know what, I didn't even know there was a, a Windows 96, but there probably was. And it's, uh, she starts, <laughs> she dials or types out, should I say, 911 emergency. And <laughs> it's a very Kelly Rowland like Microsoft Excel moment where you're like, how are they going to get this message? Like, what's going on here? I also think it's really funny because at the speed that the message comes up, I'm thinking, "Han, see before it's even told you what is your emergency." Like he could have got you in that split second by the time it's telling you. Um, but it's one of those moments you're like, "Yeah, back in the days, all you had was a landline, or um, that was really it. There wasn't a way of like a cell phone, a text message, a button you could press on your phone. None of that existed. It was like a landline or the landline." And she obviously then tried <laughs> to use her com- our computer landline mode. And it's just it's just a weird moment because you're like, yeah, it takes far, far, far too long to, to come up altogether. Um, but when she is writing this message, um, the killer disappears. And then coincidentally, Billy comes through the window. I mean, I know. It's as if it's as if it's like he's the killer or something here. Like, I know, gosh. Um, but he comes in and he tries to like console her. And when he does a cell phone, um uh what do they call them again? Like cellular, a, a cellular, cellular device. Phone. But it's one of those like we were talking about this the other day, but I can't, we couldn't remember what the word was. So it's like one of those like prepaid phones you got, like a, a cheap phone you can a buy, like a, yeah, a burner phone. It's like I have a, of, I've had many of those in my time. <laughs> I will point out if they're listening to this they will say Amy Lamore is the queen of burner phones because I only buy those little £10 ones you can just get rid of because I lose all mine people probably are set, like if you've never seen it in the, in the watch are probably going how'd you get Facebook how'd you get Instagram where's the camera <laughs> and you're like those did not exist when you used to have to press um, on old like mobile phones when they first sometimes come and you used to have to press uh, the number like three four times and then had to keep pressing each number to make the letters and words appear like you you know those hardships and like but now people are like nope I've got a full iPhone yeah these didn't exist back in those days like don't be fun people people <laughs> have came up through through the through the times where the, these phones have changed um, <laughs> if people watch it we're going to be like tell our kids that's an iPhone one it's like it's like they're setting up and again what's really funny is like like watching it again um they're setting up to try and make him the killer it's like no they're literally telling you he's the killer from the get-go but you just don't want to believe it because they then try and make you think he's not it's like no they were telling you the first time that he is the killer and he is the killer um so maybe just believe that they're trying to tell you what they're trying to tell you um and and they do that again even in um even in Scream 3 at one point when um, Sarah Darling dies in Scream 3 and Roman phones her, it's like, and they're like, oh, your room, that her roommate said that you phoned her and they think he's the killer. It's like, no, again, they're trying to set him up, but they're not trying to set him up because he is the killer. Like, like it's the things that they're putting right in front <laughs> yeah. of your face. And you're like, no, this is actually who it is. But we're not telling you that's who that is because then that would give it all away. Um, that's so they've got on all these like the red they call them like red herons in all these movies like this sort of um it gets sort of more out there and more outrageous as, as the film series goes on but in this one it's like 
you think oh, he's the first kind of suspect you think because initially we don't know who is behind the mask like we know that Casey takes the mask off and sees who it is before she dies but we don't see it because the camera pans up and it's like oh my god who is it and at this point obviously as Billy's come through and drops the phone she's looking at it going well the killer just called me and that's a cellular phone so we're like you know we're just made to believe that's the first sort of instance of a suspect and it's just him the whole time and um, not knowing obviously there is other players in the game the police and all that come do he gets scared tries to skate and backfires in him at the door because she opens the door and mass <laughs> in the end that kind of funny moment or do he even gets a fright uh, and then <laughs> he's like, ah! david arquette is just he's also another character i think is meant to just be like comic relief yeah, yeah he's just so adorable and he's so adorable he dies basically in every movie and still manages to survive I know, eh? <laughs> so we're, we're, still, we're still living in this. Um, David Arquette has got to get the, the pay, you know what I mean? He's not got anything else going on, so they just have to keep bringing them back. <laughs> I know, and, and in a way, though, I, I, it's one of those things, like, thinking of number five, I'm like, I kind of hope you don't kill him off. I kind of would rather it was probably Gail or Sydney, but then at the same time, I'm like, I don't really want Gail or Sydney to die. But I'm um, like, do he's too predictable. We've already saw him die a few times, kill someone else for a change. And uh, in this one... Um, at this point when Dewey shows up with a mask and gets the fright like who's first on the scene Gail Weathers in her yes. highlighter dress suit thing which I think is fabulous like her outfits are just oh some of those some them. of those wee suits like the the the, the pure um, the green one there's a yellow <gasps> one I'm sure the name Scream 3 3 um, that yellow lemon one. yellow pantsuit oh. <laughs> she wears she wears a red pantsuit in um, Scream 5 Little tea sneak peek moment if you saw the picture saw of her on set. Well. She's wearing that, a full entire red um, pantsuit. So she's she's still keeping that Gail Weathers theme going. Um, but I also do love Gail in the sense that I just we just love strong... I think it's just like the LGBT in us. Like we're very like, we love yeah. a strong and uh, independent woman. And in this one, it's like interesting that like she's a very like power, the power hungry, like career driven... And she just wants like the story, but like doesn't matter about people's feelings. Um, and as obviously the movie goes on, she starts to care a bit more, which is which is good. I love that we get she gets yeah. a wee redemption arc in this one. <laughs> she does, and I feel like you do start to care for her a bit more, and she becomes nicer as the the films progress um, on. Because um, obviously now is the moment where she kind of thinks she's superior to everyone. It's like they're not letting them in the police station. She's like, I know a way, and she's like, darting through everyone, and then. <laughs> You get one of the the most um, iconic moments from Scream, where she goes in the back um, the back alleyway and Sid's leaving, and she's talking to her and she's like, uh, and says like, "Oh, how's your book?" And she's like, "I'll send you a copy." Boom, and just pure punches her one in the face. And then you get obviously those women taking taking the piss, and she's like, "I'll send you a copy." Bam, bitch went down. I'll send you a copy. Bam, Sid, super bitch. <laughs> you were so cool. That's what I mean. Like Tatum's such a good friend for her, and like. And she lets her stay at her house because, like, obviously she's just been attacked on her own and it's, they're trying to find her dad. And, like, I would, honestly, I just love Tatum's character in this one. Um, and, yeah, like, that scene with Kayla just always gets me because, as I said, I've seen Scary Movie first and I just remember, like, in that one, like, it's she's Gail Hillstorm in Scary Movie and, she like, her spoof character and the same thing happens. So I was expecting it, but... In this, in Scream, it's more like, yeah, you deserve that. Like, even as much as I'm starting to like your character, Gail, you deserve that. Like, it was cold. And then he's like, I think he says something to her, like, are you are you okay? And she's like, you better check your conscience at the door, sweetie, or something, because, like, it's she's just trying to get the job done. 
and uh, and I just I love that and like um, and that's also you have um, the the whole scene with Gail and um, Sydney talking to each other and a nice calm manner off the record um, and she's like trying to make her realise that Sydney you're wrong and like you did the wrong thing you put the wrong man away and she's like but your testimony put him away it doesn't matter what I think um, and that's obviously what she thinks more about her book than anyone else um, and then you kind of get to the points where she meets Billy again, and like you say, he got he got he got out because it wasn't him. His phone records were clear, um, uh, and they have that um, intimate conversation at the top of the stairs, which you see in Scream One, and you see in Scream Two from Stab, um, but it's not obviously them. It's from the movie that they're making. Um, it's the reenactment, yeah. So it's the wee reenactment scene that they show when um, Tori Spelling's sitting in the cinema getting the wee interview. Um, and he says to her, um, I have a girlfriend who would rather accuse me of a psychopathic killer than touch me. And you're like, again, oh. you've been very, very selfish here, thinking of yourself rather than actually thinking what this pure girl is going through. Like, she's going through all this traumatic experience and all you're thinking about is the fact of you, again, trying to get your whole... Mm, and that kind of is one of... It's, I think it's one of those things that shows you the very masculine, like, stereotypes of how a lot of them men do... Like, you say that, that people say, like, a lot of men just think with their... their dicks rather than their minds and you're like that's all they're they're wanting and things like that and you're like yeah like you're thinking like people say like in in the key world you go on green town it's like it's people just want their whole it's not actually a dating app it's really just a whole a, a, a gap a gap it's really just an app to get a whole <laughs> it's one of those things like it, it's like that is what people say and i think that's like a bad stereotype that people get but they're just highlighting um, on that factor um it's even when he tries to make the situation relatable to himself you're like nope completely not relatable because he's like um well my mom left my dad and i accepted that and um, she's not coming back and it's like you just gotta accept she's not coming back and it's literally like hold up here and like she says him she's like your parents split up but that's not the same thing your mum left town she's not lying in a coffin somewhere and it's like yeah that's completely true like your mum could come back anytime like the next movie wink wink nudge nudge um and uh it's one of those things like you're like it's completely different scenario like completely completely different but again you're trying to just make her like in a way he's trying to like manipulate her to feel bad for him so that, he'll, so that she'll sleep with him yeah yeah and and that's the thing that's when it kind of becomes sad later on when she's like she feels bad because she's like she's not been good to him and he's like nope nope and and in about 10 minutes time you'll find out why um yeah because at this scene obviously is, he shows his fingerprints and he's been i was like he's like i was in the cell last night remember and like makes her feel bad about that and also accusing him but then we're we're I'm, we're watching it going um you did crawl through her window like and it was very awfully convenient and then Dewey says that he's like yeah it was awfully convenient and it's just like once he's let go then we are left thinking right well who is it then because it's clearly not him so because I remember the first watch through I was thinking like okay so it's not him and I feel bad now but then as we've got older now and we're watching it back we're like oh he was such a rat anyway like we're like yeah. just saying that to her the next day like as soon as he gets out of jail and he goes to see her at school they run into each other the first thing he says is like the whole like manipulating her and into feeling because i think I, like i guess now we've got the knowledge to, to look at like what his character's like he's definitely like a narcissist and like yeah. has mummy issues because his mum left and all that and it's just uh it doesn't make me feel bad for him like but uh it there's a reason why he's like that but like she's had it a lot worse 
Mm-hmm. I feel like the reason she don't feel bad for him, because even though a lot of the things he's went through is like horrible and things like that, and you wouldn't wish the person to go through that, but I feel like you don't feel bad for him because you're like, well, you just then started to um, kill every single person off just for the fun of it. Um, so yeah, we don't feel bad for you anymore um, when we find that out because you're like, nah, you didn't actually do it and you thought this would be this would be helpful because you would do this. And it still didn't really give him, because obviously like when we get onto that part of the end, like his no motive motive kind of scenario is um, a bit like, a, hmm, you don't actually have a motive for this. You had a motive to kill our mum, but you didn't have a motive to kill anyone else. So kind of, it's a bit, a bit weird in that sense. Um, and you kind of also then go into a bit more of the kind of, manipulation thing when you find out like what Stu's like motive is but we'll get there in a wee, in a wee, a wee second um, the next little part also she runs away from him and she runs into the toilet and she's like cool and the girls are bitching about her in the cubicles without realising that she's the one that just walked into the toilet um, and that's kind of going back to the thing of like the popularity thing we were talking about before we are like your cheerleaders and your jocks and all that think they're much more popular than other people and yeah it's like mm all these people below and like you're saying we d- you don't know whether they kind of sat on like the the popularity scale as such as you're saying even though that shouldn't be a thing like in like america that's something that happens a lot um yeah. but obviously they think that they're just much more superior they're like yeah and she's like she's like just lying and all that she's just like our mother she's like it's all these things and they say really really nasty horrible things to her, and she starts to get um upset and things like that and um obviously you then have the kind of toilet attack which it's the first time you hear the killer's real voice for a, a split second um, when he says her name. Um, but what I find quite funny is um, how the killer actually ever ended up in the toilet. Uh, I don't know, because in theory, <laughs> the voice that you hear is Billy's voice. So you're thinking, how did Billy get in there when literally she ran in the toilet and then after she went in the cubicle, the three girls came out the cubicles? Yeah. So, in what time frame did he get into the toilet cubicle, stand on the toilet seat, shut the door without anyone hearing? <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh, but that's, just... that's one little, uh, there's a little time frame issue there, definitely. Um, at first I thought maybe like, when I was watching it back, because like, they all seem to wear these like hideous black boots anyway. It must be a 90s thing, like, because they all look similar <laughs> um, with those, like, denim blue jeans, and it's very 90s. And I was just like, okay, maybe it's someone in the school, like, because I didn't see, you don't see a knife in their hand. So I was like, maybe it's someone that was already waiting there for Sydney, for Sydney to come and, like, attack her. Like, because remember the, the two guys get, um, they run through the halls, and then that's why Sydney's like, why are they doing this? And, like, they're like, <laughs> those two guys are like, <laughs> And like dress like the the, the sort of the ghost face out of costume, um, and they get reprimanded anyway. But I thought maybe it's someone like them who's just taking the piss. But then maybe it is also meant to be the killer. Like maybe it's sort of like oh we don't know. Oh yeah, I did think of that. Because then, because I, I was like looking closely, like maybe we're, I was just getting too into it for today's podcast. I was just like, oh, I'm going to analyze every little thing. But I was like, oh, they're, they're not holding a knife. It's clearly just someone maybe waiting there to for Sydney to oh, scare yeah. her. I didn't think of and that. How would they know that she came in? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's something... We're just going to be geeky about this. We like yeah. <laughs> And I think it's one of those moments where it's like, you, you just sadly never know, and you're like, oh, I kind of want to know now, because you're like... I don't know who that was. <laughs> um, and 
obviously from that you move on and you see like Gail and Dewey flirting for the the first time when she's like um normally I I land much more in audiences between like um 16 and 24 and she's like I'm, I must have just missed you um, and kind of going through all of that um phase I know it's cute it's it is kind of it's kind of fun and cute but at the same time you're kind of like is Gail just doing this to try and get closer and get all this information but obviously as, as the film's going to progress like obviously they get married and things like that um, through durations so you kind of see all this happen um but it's funny and um, school gets suspended with a curfew of nine o'clock where everyone has to be home and things like that um and this is where Gay was like oh we've got a serial killer on our hands and Dewey is like no a serial killer isn't really quite accurate and you've got to knock off a few more for that title um and it kind of is like a wee, a wee moment where you kind of see a bit more in depth to the the crime with the, how the police are like viewing it as such um and obviously at this point in theory actually only two people have actually been killed um with one person being attacked um it's about to become three people dead but we'll, we're moving on don't worry go briefly this is <laughs> This is those 30 pages they were talking about where no one died. So this is the pages that got changed that are about to happen here. Um, because obviously now the principal is about to get the chop. He's like looking at the mask and things like that. And um, you come across... Yeah, principal, principal Henry. Principal Henry, yeah, that's his name. Principal Henry is about to get the chop. He's looking at the mask and all that. And he's like, thinking, and here's like wee bumps and things like that. And obviously he goes out into the corridor and he sees the janitor. Now, for people who maybe haven't known, and obviously just again analysing anyway and things like that, <laughs> the janitor's name is Freddie. Um, and this is Wes Craven's cameo in this movie. Um, and the reason he's called Freddie is because he's also wearing a green and red jumper and a, a hat, which is very similar to what Freddy Krueger wears. And that's been a wee homage to um, Nightmare on Elm Street, which um, Wes Craven originally um, directed the very, very first Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah. back in the day very on the nose very on the yes. nose reference. you look at it and you're like yeah that's it's Freddy Krueger plus he's yeah. like in the hall like in, in A Nightmare on Elm Street he's like in the hall with like the uh, the girl's body and all that so it's very like he's like the janitor cleaning because Freddy Krueger was like a janitor or something yeah. at the school something like he that he was yeah and I think he's that's just, the he's, I love Wes Craven he's just Wes Craven made some like amazing movies and it is it, I think that's the thing coming up to number five coming out it's very sad that it's not a Wes Craven scream, but um, apparently yeah. they have paid homage to the franchise that he created. They're not um, they're not taken away from anything that was created before in the first four movies, and that's only one reason why she signed on to it was because they had wrote a letter to say that they were paying like homage to Wes Craven with it. They grew up loving these movies that Wes created, and um, they were big lovers of Wes's work. So that was the only reason why she agreed to be in the film Sydney. But um, Obviously, we'll, we'll crack on to Scream 5 and we'll jump into those little fine details in, in, in a wee moment. Yeah, it's such a shame that he's he passed away like, and he's not going to get to see the fifth one, but I hope they do, I hope they stick to it and I hope they do, like, sort of homages. Like, I, I wouldn't even mind if they did, like, you know, like, throwbacks to, like, the like the, the films and, like, certain kills or whatever, like, from these films, um, whether it's one through four, because... You know they've done that already, but it would just be nice to make sure he's not forgotten because he did create this and he's such a good writer. And you know, it, it, it's such a shame. It is. It's, it's such a sad time. I feel that was when I remember when he died. Not it was just so. It was just. It's not. It's not. 
it was really sad because you were like, this is someone that you grew up like idolizing the movies and all that he made, and what, like one day hoping that you might get to be in like a screen movie. With you him. might be in a, yeah, yeah, you uh, get to be in like a Wes Craven film, be the final girl, the final gay. I know, because um, I mean, in, in the modern horror age, you've got to be gay to survive. But um, that's that's that's, that's oh, a screen, screen four reference that we'll crack onto momentarily. We're not we're not even on that. We're not even on the original rules yet, so we're not we're not even going to those details. Um, <laughs> but obviously, you start to then the principal gets killed off. Goes says behind the door, and he, he kills him off. Um, in that moment where you kind of wonder why he got killed um, but you kind of find out later on he was also killed to fill time but also not only to just fill time but to give a reason for um, all these non-essential characters to leave the party rather than being forced to leave the party um, that was that was another reason why he was also then placed in there to be killed off um, fun fact for you if you didn't know that um, and this is now where you see Sydney and Tatum on the right side and she's talking and she's like freaking out and all this and she's like, don't freak out. Um, and she keeps like freaking out and she says this, she's like, don't freak yourself out, Sid. You're starting to sound like a Wes Carpenter flick. Um, kind of realising that it's Wes, Car- Wes Craven and John Carpenter, but she's also like created this own wee nickname of like these two different people. Two, diff- two very different people and two very similar genres and movies that they create. But um, again, paying homage to two very... Um, special horror movie directors um, and then you get to go to the video store for the first time how I miss going to Blockbuster and getting Blockbuster popcorn and renting a wee oh, movie and all that Blockbuster. Those, those are the times R.I.P. Blockbuster um, <laughs> but you see it and um, Billy's standing in the horror section of the video store and Randy thinks Billy's the killer we should always trust Randy because Randy's always right he's right Randy in this film He's writing the second film. He's writing... No, mm, I don't know if he's writing the third film because he ties in the second film, so we don't really know that. But, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting there in line. He was right about the rules, at least. He was right about... He was. He was right about the rules in the third film, but we're kind of getting to a point. Um, but it's the, the first thing you kind of hear about a horror, horror formula, but you don't really know what the kind of horror formula is. He's like, if you watch Prom Night Revisited, they would save time. There's a very simple formula to it, a very simple formula. Everybody's a suspect. Um, but he's shouting this at the top of his lungs in the middle of this video store. Like, you really would honestly think he would be a suspect more. Um, I know everyone turns and looks and they're like... <gasps> <laughs> Exactly, they're all trying to think of what is going on here, and he's like, um, "The dad's a red hair, and it's Billy." And he bumps into Billy, and it's literally like I see, it's that point where it's literally telling you who the killer is. And I think the reason why, um, when Randy's having this conversation, he's not really getting much back from the person he's talking to is because he's talking to Stu, and it's like, yeah, Stu's not going to agree with you as such here because he's like, well, is he really? Because I'm also one. Um, so <laughs> yeah, a moment where it's kind of playing the pretense of you're talking to both people are killers but you don't realise that they are actually who they both are um, at that point um, but then Billy is trying to make you think that um, it's Randy and then like I say in, in these movies I'm making you believe it's not a movie because Randy's like if this was a scary movie then I'd be the prime suspect which is very true the, the man that loves horror so much more you would think well it's clearly him because he watches so much more and it, it's clear that person um, and he's like it's um, they're like it's, it's all about motives and they're like oh no it's the, it's the millennium motives are um, incidental um, it's like why, why do you need a motive you don't really need a motive at all here um, 
for that sense because that's very like well you don't like well then they kind of play on that part because he's like oh I like that don't need a motive um, and Stu's kind of trying to play on that factor because Stu doesn't actually really have a motive in any way shape or form to do it <laughs> um, <laughs> but obviously you see Ghostface appearing in random places he appears in the bushes he appears in the supermarket and the, the window um, and they're always like oh if, if they made a move think about it said they might make a movie of your life and she's like um who and he's like, who do you think will play? Yeah, I can see a, a young Meg Ryan, and she's like, well, with my <laughs> luck, I'd guess Tori Spelling. And then obviously, like you see, the, the joke is when you see the, the next movie and stab, it's Tori Spelling that plays Sid. Yeah, um, talk about foreshadowing. Exactly. I think that's the thing, though. That it's funny because they listen to all the fine details of the fact that it's not they have listened and kept that going. They've not just put a random person in. They have listened to each fine detail and tried to make it work throughout the yeah. series and kind of kept it. Um, going on with it um the cops obviously at that point think it's Sid's dad because they can't find him they can't get a hold of him they don't know where he is um and they think it's um him so do you to keep an eye on sydney um and they go and you get to the the big party the the final showdown or scene 118 as they call it in um the the scream world um yep. you get to that big final moment um and you see where Gail is right there on the scene, right there already. <laughs> she's right there um, with her van and her truck. And she's trying to obviously think of a way how she gets in. And then she meets Dewey. And it's like, gosh, it's fate. I'm going to flap to you even more. And I'm like, oh. And he's like, oh, I'm here to like watch over sin. And he's like, she's like, oh, you, you can come with me. But at the same time, it's kind of sad. Because like, Dewey's actually trying to flirt here with her and trying to like get with her. And you're like, no. yeah. And she's too busy going, yeah, I'm trying to just get my, like, get my job here and get the inside scoop before anyone else get does. <laughs> get what I want um, and obviously um, she takes a wee camera in with her and she plants it in the um, the unit underneath the TV which I didn't actually think of this till right the second there as I was saying this I was like you would think about it when she obviously had that camera if the camera was still rolling she would have got Sydney killing Stu with the television right on her wee camera I didn't think of that until yeah. I just thought of it there and I was like oh you would have fully got that and fully got the full entire scoop of that point um, but you obviously get all of that they're sitting there and she's flicking through all those movies. She's like Terror, Terror Train, Prom Night. Um, all these films have um, Jamie Lee Curtis in them. Why is that? And they're like, because she's the screen queen and you are standing there fine for your correct. As much as Sydney may be a final gal and be a screen queen herself, no one will beat the screen original screen queen legend. That is Jamie Lee Curtis, which is Laurie Strode. Um, as much as Laurie Strode is in probably less films than Sydney, it will have been in at this point. Mm, no, she'll just just still have been in as many as Sydney has been in come this um, fifth one, because Laurie Strode has only featured in um, Halloween 1 to H2O Resurrection and the new one, but obviously she is in the next um, two movies as well. Well, she's in the next one at least. Um, but... Um, yeah, Sydney's been in them all, but then again, is Sydney going to make a lot in five? I don't know. Again, we'll go on to in a second. We're just getting far too excited here with everything <laughs> jumping onto like each part. Um, and obviously, at this point, you see, and I think this is the thing that kind of gives you the tease of who obviously kills her, anyways, because Stu asked Tatum to go grab him another beer. Um, and she kind of gets annoyed and then she gets annoyed that do you see and she's like what are you doing here and she's like what's she doing here and she's like oh she's with me and he gets far too excited the <laughs> gale's with him and all that um, and um, so cute how he's so it like, is. 
like, oh, I'm a Gail, Gail Weathers, and then all, she's walking around, and they're all like, I love your book, I love your, I love your, like, the news and all that, like, you do, I love your show, I always watch it, and then it's like, all these, like, teens and all that, and then she's like, oh, thanks, or whatever, she doesn't care, just to try to get to the, the, the TV screen so she can put her wee, um, or wee camera, which looks like a, I don't know if you remember, like, the eye toys for the PS2, but it looks yes. like an eye toy, <laughs> it's very, like, 1996 um, technology. Um, it's also really creepy that she's spying on a group of teenagers, but uh... I think it's because she's like she wants to try and get the inside scoop, knowing that Sydney and all that's there, thinking it's probably going to happen. Like you know, Gail, she's thinking she's one step ahead of everyone, um, and she technically is normally one step ahead of everyone. Even even that moment where she gets attacked in screen four, she's one step ahead, or so she yeah. thinks. But they're just slightly one step closer ahead of her. Um, you obviously now she goes to get him another beer, and you obviously don't realise that Stu's actually setting to him up for her own death. Um, and you get you get the iconic moment in screen, which is probably the most dumbest death in the whole entire movie, but it's one of the most memorable ones. Um, yeah, it's the one I remember most about the film, and it's the most iconic. I think just because it's how like obviously. Casey's death at the start is just iconic because it's Drew Barrymore getting killed and she's only one that at this point who is like the most famous of the young actors and uh, it's gory and everything but this one just oh my god you just think oh my god like this is this is awful like when, as it's happening you're rooting for her the whole time you're like come on you can do it come on Rose McGowan come on Tatum and uh, well we'll get into it obviously the, the lead up to that because it's so great she obviously does like she tries to fight back and she tries to do it um what i think funny is that she, she well, i don't know why she didn't just stand there and wait until the door went up before trying to walk out oh. the door then she would have got out the door fine it would have been an, an easy moment but she didn't but obviously she didn't think anything of it at that point in time um from it but you you get the funny iconic moments so she's like oh what she's like oh you better take that off and i think i don't know if this is the very first time i probably could be wrong but um, maybe the first time that she you hear the word ghost face, um, because obviously she's like, oh, and she's like, oh, take that off. She's like, she said, oh, see that said, oh, freak. And she's like, oh, what yeah. movie is this from? I spit in your garage. And then she's like, <laughs> and she tries to keep going and he doesn't let her. And, and she's like, oh, you want to play psycho killer? And she's like, oh, can I be the helpless victim? Oh, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. And then obviously... She gets attacked again and again. And it's funny because you see things where she like opens the door at the fridge and like she flings the beer bottles. And it goes with her character as well. She's very like that, as I said earlier, like very like free spirit, like, well, you know, fight for her friends, like, you know, that kind of like spunky kind of character. And then she tries to, do- she, hit- she hits the button, then she goes back and then it's, it's, it's not, no, is it going up? It's not going up, is it's it? Going, it, doesn't it's go up. Not, it doesn't go right up. It's, it's too, it's too low. It doesn't go up because he's like hit the button to try and go back there. So she tries to like go out the, hit the cat flap. But what yeah. I think quite funny was the same, she, when, when I watched it, it was only today actually, so when, I, when I'd seen the club again and I was like, you didn't actually try the door handle again, Hen. I didn't realise that. And I was like, you literally just ran up and hit the button. I was like, it's like you didn't actually try the door handle. I'm thinking, in theory, if you tried that door handle, I bet you any money would take it through. Because I'm thinking, yeah, we could have banged on it and been like, yeah. I know there's loud music in the party, but just you know, try, try the well, yeah, as you noticed. But then she tries to crawl through the cap flap, <laughs> and uh, she is a very um, bodacious, curvaceous woman, shall we yes. say? And uh, as the killer pushes the button, she's 
her tits are stuck basically in the cat flap. She can't get back out the way she came in. And uh, the rest is iconic scream history. It is. I think what's funny is it's one of those scenes where um, I sit and watch it and analyse going, what if you put your arm through that? See if you put, because obviously she puts like her head through first and one arm and and like you say, our boobs get stuck in it. Um, And you're kind of like, what if you just put both your arms, like dive through it, both arms first and then put your head through and all that. Would you have been able to like use both arms and like push yourself through? Because you obviously couldn't push yourself through when one arm is on one side and one arm is on the other side. (laughs) So you kind of just got stuck. But I'm like, yeah, would there have been a better way for you to have got through that? I'm like, I don't know. But then again, at the same time, I was like, "Mm, did you have enough time to even get through that? Like, had you got through it as well, would you have like fallen or would it have just caught your legs and things like, it's it's weird. But Oh, it's because like when she goes to go out the first time and she gets the beer, she's like, oh, right, I'll I'll just try it. She hits the door, the garage door button. She walks over, then it stops halfway because the killer's come out and stopped it. And it's halfway, but like she could, as you said, if she was quick enough and didn't know there was a killer behind her, she would have just went, under and she would have been fine or she could have rolled under with the beers um because that's what i was thinking i was like oh she could have done it there but then she gets trapped but like um the door goes down quite quickly actually that's why i was i noticed i was like oh my god that's why it goes up so quickly and she's buggered anyway so there was no way around it and it's funny because i i kind of foresaw this coming as i said i saw scary movie unfortunately first so in that in scary movie they spoof it with this sort of bigger girl who is um she's like she's like uh, uh, she's like is try- she's in the same scenario so she she does the same things like puts up a good fight but then she tries to escape by crawling through the, this tiny little cat flap and she tries like with her like all the different ways like you were listening there like how Tatum could do it like she tries to go through with like one arm and then like dives through and then her legs and then she gets stuck and then the killer kills her the same way but it brings down the whole because she's a heavier woman it brings down the whole garage uh, and if you haven't seen scary movie um it's basically the exact same thing and i got it spoiled for me and i just knew at that moment like tame was gonna die and i just remember thinking oh my god she's my favorite character she put up such a good fight and it's kind of good though that she had an iconic death and it wasn't just like a boring like she got stabbed and that was it like you know it, it, it kind of cemented uh the, like i call that the most iconic one for me in the film um, of iconic deaths and um, followed by casey's uh, because that was um just shocking really I think it's one of those things when you watch it, you can also you can also kind of see that it's a, a partially rubber probably person yeah, and not a real a person. <laughs> when when our face gets squished, you can kind of see that. But I'm I'm okay. Like I'm 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 cool with that because I'm like I'm I've, I'm suspending the disbelief part of she's she's getting like your theory actually going to squish a person. I was like you're clearly going to do that with an actual special effects part. So I was like I'm okay with that. Like I'm I'm cool with that. Um, but what's quite f- um, like you say it's an iconic death but I also think it's even more iconic and I, I could be completely wrong but I'm positive it's the only death in the full entire movie that Ghostface actually doesn't kill her it's like as much as Ghostface does kill her because he does push the button in for the door to come up so he does do that but the garage door kills her it's not Ghostface physically like stabbing her or yeah. anything like that it's the, it's the only death in the full entire film that isn't committed by a person killing a person it's just um, I, I get the garage door that kills her like I say obviously right. it's just the button but it's the only death in the movie and I feel like that's where you're like yep that's an iconic moment one that you didn't die the typical way of a movie of getting stabbed in the knife yeah because it's a slasher and it's going by all these like you you expect it to be the killer all the time just slashing and gashing and you know um 
this one was definitely like when it when it happened you're like oh my god this is so like gruesome but like yeah you're right the killer didn't it was technically he just pushed a button and that was it and then he just sort of he opens up the door and just enters a party again just like undercover um and just leaves her hanging there and we see her again later on when sydney jumps in the window and looks up and sees her and is horrified like it's like like i'm gonna be sick looking at it i uh, was at church of high kicks once uh, at cc blooms and it was during the fringe festival i think it was last year uh, it would have been 2019 yeah and rose mcgowan was doing a sort of a tour uh, but it happened to fall on summer of uh, the fringe and she was <laughs> she came to cc's with her friend who i assume was gay because they they came to CC Blooms, it's the only gay club in Edinburgh, uh, on a Sunday as well. And we'd finished our show and she'd had her shaved head at this point. So like she was doing her sort of shaved head look, but I looked and I was like, she came in and was just standing at the bar. And I was like, are you Rose McGowan? And she was like, yeah. Like in that voice, like she has that kind of like, that sort of like California like voice. And I was like, oh my God, can I just say, I love June Scream. And she was like, Oh, I get that a lot. Thank you. It was just so, it was so surreal. And um, <laughs> the, the rest of the night, she didn't stay long, actually, because um, a lot of, like, uh, the gays were out and were like, you're Rose McGowan, oh my God, and we're trying to get photos of her. And I think she just wanted a, a drink or something after her show. And I offered to get her one because um, I was like, oh, do you want a drink of that? And her friend, I was like, do you want a drink? And they were, she was like, well, can I have water? And I, I was like, you can get yourself as a joke because that's her humour. <laughs> she just went okay and was like being all like sassy back and it was just such an interaction that like it was it's something i'll always remember it's probably the most famous person i've met now um and i'll always remember that and it was just so nice but then she she buggered off actually she we, at the end of the show we always do sissy that walk like and sort of parade around cc's you've probably you've been there so you know what it's like you you would go a little we take sort of like a conga line and she, i was like rose rose you should like lead it and she was like what what do i do what do i do and i was like you just just dance just prance just go follow us and she, we led her around cc's and we go up to the front door and then sort of like sashay back to like fla 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 uh to assist that walk <laughs> and it was just such a i remember just saying it to to people like to, to river song who is there who's another drag performer in edinburgh i was like can you believe that rose mcgowan from charmed and from scream and Jawbreaker was just in CC Blooms. Like, this is so <laughs> weird, just to that walk. So it's just a little thing like that, a little bit of, like, sort of real-life trivia. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And uh, I got to actually tell her I enjoyed her part because it always stuck with me, Tatum's character. I just, I, I never wanted her to die, but then at least she got a good death in the end. She did get a really good death, and I think that's the thing. She got a really memorable one in the, the full entire series. So I think she obviously had an, an iconic moment to... Um, to live through it but that's really cool yeah. to hear like a, a personal experience of like with some of that because no one's actually told to, like a personal experience with anyone and anyone in like any of the horror movie sets so that's actually really cool to like hear that but like you say she probably yeah. didn't just want to just go out for a drink at that point she was like i just want to go out and have a, a drink moment but yeah when, when you're a celebrity like that's something that you can't really just go do i'm afraid not even with her like she had the sort of shaved head but she still looks the same like her face she's she's got a face it's funny because we were all like is that and there's like a drag queen on the scene that looks a lot like her out of drag because she's got the shaved head too we were like is that no that's rose mcgowan what it was just so funny like and going up like she had the gaze swarming her and because it was a sunday it wasn't too busy if it was a saturday it might be like a a a, a bit more of an intense situation but i i like you're right i think she was just wanting a drink after and when i I offered her one she was just like i have water like it was just so funny like because i was like i'm not buying you a drink i'm gonna get water yourself and then 
yeah, I was just, it was really nice. Uh, and it's quite, it's quite nice that that's your first like celebrity thingy on, on your, on your podcast. It is, but, it's like the first lot of celebrity stories. That's cool to, to have. Yeah, that was good. But uh, yeah, so Tatum is now dead. She is. She, she's dead and she's, um, she's out of the, the picture for it. Um, this is then when you see Gail go back to the, the van and there's a delay in the camera that she put in. It's like a 30 second delay. Um, and you then see that the party kind of starts to, kind of not finish as such, like, but it becomes less of a party, much more of a movie viewing scenario. This is when you see Billy kind of come to the party as people are leaving. And Sydney and Billy then go up the stairs to talk and mm. Sydney thinks that she's been selfish and she's not been good to Billy because she's been wallowing in the grief of her mother's death and she's been lying to herself about who her mother is because obviously like earlier on she was um like we say she was in the bathroom and all these girls were saying nasty things like her mother was a whore and her mother was this and her mother was that and she doesn't want to believe these things because she wants to believe like her mother was who she remembers her mother as like she wants to remember the good times and the good memories with her but she also then is trying to block out the factor of who her mother really was and this is where she then is like to Billy she's like um this is life it isn't a movie iconic it is and it's very one of those moments and this is again where you hear the they they start to they start to kiss and things like that and she turns around and says to him she's like why can't I be a good Meg Ryan movie or even a good porno. And you know, you know when she says that, what she's about to do. She's about to give up and she's about to give Billy the one thing he's always been wanting. Um, And he does. They have have, um, sexual intercourse at this point. Um, However, this this scene was part and parcel with um, them having sex and seeing the scene from Halloween. You hear the iconic rules of in order to survive a horror movie. And rule number one, you can never have sex. So she's just blown that. She's blown that <laughs> out of the water. She's she's failed now. She's not applying to the rule. So she's screwed. And I would be right too there. if I was in a horror movie. I would be well done for. I probably would have been the Casey. I would have been done beneath at the start. You're like, I wouldn't even have survived the first 15 minutes of this movie. <laughs> literally i'd be like i would have been the case i would have been like it would have been like all the different names like all, imagine all the scottish drag names on the poster then andy Millamore. and it's like well as soon as that's on a poster it's you know that that person's not going to last long it's like they're the <laughs> the sort of first kill of the movie um because amy lahore whore by name whore by nature <laughs> you're like yeah living living the full fantasy or you'd be like yep yeah, I, would, I would last the first 15 minutes for that point in time she's like um the second rule of the the oh you would really you would really be you'd be screwed in sense because uh, oh I know <laughs> I started reading the rules and I was like yep yeah. they don't apply to me at all <laughs> I'm done I would I'd be done for like rule number two is you can never drink or do drugs which well, oh, you're fucked <laughs> obviously they're at a party and stuff like that so they're they're all drinking that because you see the funny moment where Dewey comes in and tries to take the beer off the young boy and he's like oh you're not old enough to drink he's like no I'm not here to, to do that he's like trying to be a good cop <laughs> um, bless him I know sweet breasts we so just trying to be in love with Gail for that moment um, and then your third rule is never say I'll be right back because you won't be back um, and obviously then you. you know see- <laughs> I'm going to get another beer do you want one? 
<laughs> I'll be right back. Oh. <laughs> oh. It's so it's so funny, it's so iconic because it's like you say the same trying to play the humor on that sense of like just taking the piss out on Andy too. Um and this is then the moment where they continue watching Halloween. Yeah. And you get the phone call where you hear that the principal's death, um, he was um gutted and hung up by on the football pitch. So you know, they all rush to see what he's like. But Randy's like, nah, what are you doing? Like, we're trying to watch a movie here. It's like the party's not over. It's just getting to the good bit. That would probably still be me. I'd be like, yeah, I just want to watch the movie. You're like, come on, it's a good movie. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're just getting to the good bit. Um, because literally that phone call happens at that one time where the, the scene happens and it plays counteractively with the music from Halloween of the point where she is about to walk over to the house that Annie's in and about to go meet Michael properly for the, the first time and go through her final ghetto showdown sequence um, just like Sydney's about to go through her final ghetto showdown sequence so kind of playing a little homage in part to that um, and it's kind of funny actually that it is um, much not a West Craven film like it, if it was Nightmare on M Street that was playing like that would have been like a homage part but obviously like you say Tatum earlier on said um, you're like a West Carpenter flex so they've yeah. already tried to like mention John Carpenter a few times throughout these films and obviously like the very first question in the whole entire movie is um, Name the Killer and Halloween so it's nice that he was paying homage to like the original slasher which um you know, I mean, obviously Black Christmas came first and then Halloween, but let's be real, like, Halloween is way more iconic and, like, yeah. people always think of Halloween as the original slasher, which it did set the rules for the rest of all these slasher movies. It's always it's always the same thing, and it came from Halloween. Halloween did reinvent the, the horror game and the horror genre way back then and kind of started the, the stream of all these characters being a lot more popular and a lot more bigger, and obviously then they started to go into a lot more direct-to-DVD videos and sadly mm. we got Jason X, which was, <laughs> let's not even talk about Jason X, that's too traumatic and at least even handle it. Oh um, <laughs> but um, they all run away to see it and Randy and a few odd people stay to, to watch the movie. Um, but they find Neil Prescott's car in the bushes. So Dale and... Dale? Dale? Who's Dale? We've got a new character Dale. here. Dale's their, Dale's their ship name. Dale. Um, Dewey. Dale. Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> do and Gail go a wee walk um, and it's funny because she goes to go to the car and he's like oh I thought we would walk it's such a lovely night out here and you're like oh my god you're like trying to even in these moments you're still trying to go for it um, and we try and I know it's like a wee hopeless moment you're like you're still going for it um, and they go a walk down to try to see the car but um, the boys that have left the party are like zooming down the road trying to get there before the principal gets taken down um, and they are going far too fast and they don't really see him and they kind of then fall into the bushes and roll a little bit and it's that moment where Gail and Dewey kiss for the first time and he's like um, it's funny because she's like her head is slightly turned um, looking and obviously she's looking at the car and she turns to go to him oh was that what you were looking for and he's going oh my life while he's looking at Gail and then she's just like turns his head and it's like oh wait shit um, yeah, and then they start to panic well he starts to panic he's like oh shit that's like Neil Prescott's car and you know what's he doing here at like Stu Mocker's house like this is you know and it, it can sort of kind of confirms the suspicion that the police have had that it's the dad it's starting to, to unveil everyone's first thoughts and put you off of thinking it is anybody else. And they're about to put you off even more of thinking it's anyone because 
you go back to the house and um, they've, they've just had sex and um, Billy's sitting on it. This is what I think, honey. It's Billy sitting on the floor and you see him without his top on, but you don't really see his, you don't really see his stomach or his chest kind of, you kind of just see like the top half of him, um, but not as much. And you see his shoulders and stuff because what I found really funny was did you see him like not to jump ahead like a few minutes here but you see him without his top on and then the next second he gets stabbed and he's obviously got like blood patches to take the the fake yeah. the fake blood thing me and i'm thinking where did they come from because they were not on your body like the second like did, did well, you have seen that like taped his body she would have seen that obviously so. yeah because i'm thinking were they in your t-shirt or like how how did you make that work and that was i don't know why i thought of that they were watching it was like you can see you without your top on and if you've not got a top on how did you get the blood patches to go in because i'm like i'm imagining it was like one of those little kind of like um like a washing up tablet kind of thing one of those things that was like a fake blood thing and obviously he stabbed he's like poked it and it's better like gave the blood out and all that but i'm like hmm you don't seem to have anything but i'm like okay Okay, I'm like I'm. I'm still going to just kind of suspended disbelief again. Just I was going to say that. Yeah, we'll just we're, suspend. We're, we're still going. We, we've done it once or twice here, so I'm like, we're okay. Um, and that's where she asks him. She's like, "Who did you call?" And he's like, "What?" And she's like, "Well, you you get your one phone call." He's like, "Who did you call?" And he's like, "Oh, I, I called my dad." And she's like, "No, Sheriff Burt called your dad. I saw him." And she's like, "He's like." Oh no, but when I called him, I didn't get an answer. I don't know why I'm putting on an accent to do all these lines, but I'm just gonna please bear with me, people, if you're having to do this for the entire thing and listen. Um <laughs> and he's like, Oh, you still don't think it's me? And she's like, No, no. She's like, but I mean, it would have been quite funny using your one phone call to call me so that it would throw me off track and I wouldn't think it was you. And that's such that moment where he leans on the bed and um she said he says sinister, eh? he does like, he looks very suspicious and all that and she's like what do i have to do to prove to you that i'm not a killer well i mean you die now but i mean that's obviously <laughs> suspending the fact that she you disbelieve to her you get her off the track thinking you're not the killer and you get everyone else off it because you die or do you <laughs> um, and at that point obviously um, billy gets in quotation marks killed and then Sydney gets chased by Ghostface again and she runs up the stairs into the little wee um, attic room and obviously she um, doesn't have anywhere to go she climbs out the window and she falls off onto the um, the big boat um, thing that's covered up with a soft patch um, part and she sees Tatum's body like you said she she sees it for the first moment and um, she goes to to run and it's one of those notes that now comes a very funny point is um you see randy watching the movie and <laughs> um laurie strode has um partially been attacked by uh, michael myers and it's the point where she's sitting there in the door well and he's like oh it's behind you behind, behind you behind you jamie <laughs> turn around behind <laughs> you and at that point Right behind him is big old Mr. Ghostface. Right mm-hmm. there, about to kill him and about to stab him and just about to, he raises his knife in there and he's about to go and he hears her scream outside as she's running through the garden. Um, and at this point, obviously, you don't realise that he's obviously going to get him. Um, but he goes, she's running through the garden and she runs to Gail's van and she gets Kenny and they're sitting there watching it and like they're watching that behind you it's behind you Jamie they're watching that on the camera screen yeah because the camera's got the delay 
And they're like, do you know what? He forgets. He goes outside, he opens the van and the door's wide open. He's like, oh, there's a 30 second delay. Why he didn't get back in the van and shut the door? I really don't know. Um, get back in, close the door. Kenny, yeah. oh my God. Like, oh. He just stands there. And um, of course, there's a 30 second delay and Ghostface headed outside and Ghostface looked. So where's Ghostface going to probably be? Hmm. Right beside Kenny. And what I'm sure you know, if you haven't seen, I'm sure, I'm sure we can all guess what's going to happen now. If Ghostface is right beside Kenny, he doesn't just go, hey pal, can I get in there and get her instead? Um, obviously, Kenny gets the chop. Quite literally. Yeah, um, Kenny, Kenny is fired. Like he's done, uh, unfortunately. I actually put um, hashtag justice for, Je- justice for Kenny the cameraman. <laughs> he, was he, has- film. he was trying to like, help them all and like he was just getting talked to like shit by Gail and it was just such a shame he is and it's one of those things um that that you're like oh no you cannot you're just you cannot feel sorry for him and then you're like oh he's one of he one of those characters that you're just you just you're like you don't deserve that justice for Kenny the cameraman yes. if, if you could bring him back I mean it, it, he does get like even more to at it. Even even when he's dead, he still gets in Gail's way. I mean, like yeah. she's, she's <laughs> no nice to him. Even even when he's even when he's dead, still no nice. Um, <laughs> but Sydney obviously escapes out the back of the van, um, and he she runs. I don't know why. I, I think I've always thought this a few times. Like you see her running through the field, and she jumps over the fence, and she runs to what seems to be like. I want to say like a barn or something like that, like yeah. another house thing. And I always imagined there was like another sequence that was going to happen in the barn, but nothing ever yeah. did happen. And I'm like, hmm, I'm, I don't know why you had to show us there was like a house thing or why should it just hide in there anyway? But hey ho, okay, we're, we're, we're rolling again, spending that moment to keep on rolling with the, the film. But Dewey and Gail are back and Dewey tries to investigate the house. Um, because the door's wide open and stuff like that so he, he runs up and goes in and you're hearing um, screams from the house it's just Laurie Strode on the television screaming when she's stuck inside um, the cupboard the cupboard I forgot the first bit second I was like where was she <laughs> <laughs> um, forget about the closets I don't forget all about like, them we're, we're out we're gone we're leaving them behind um, <laughs> but she's stuck in there and that's what he's hearing so he keeps investigating so Gail goes to her van and she tries to call for help but she gets spooked and she this is the moment that you were talking about I think maybe where um, she takes that big wallop of a phone and she cracks Randy in the face a couple of times because um, yeah. she's spooked by him and then she turns her car on and her car is like the windscreen is like green and she's like why yeah. is it like creamy red and she starts to put her windshield wipers on and it's blood that's coming over it and then she starts to try to drive away um but Kenny slides down onto the windshield <laughs> um, and she, she's driving away and she's trying to spin around the car and she's like I'm sorry Kenny but get off my fucking windshield um, and it's quite funny because she's like she's literally not caring about Kenny it's just like didn't care much about when he was live and she stood up she's like ah, priorities yeah <laughs> um, and it is far too no, funny. she drives and then swerves and then his body like slides off the roof and, and it crashes into the fence the wooden picket fence and I'm just like even in death he's treated like shit like come on and then Cindy Sydney pops out and he's like trying to flag her down like help help and then you know just like earlier where Gail and Dewey like have to get knocked off the road Gail <laughs> she swerves she's like ah like screams really like I'm not going to do it but she screams like 
really loud and then like swerves off the road trying to miss Sydney and then unfortunately she ends up down a ditch and crashes and it's her um and Sydney looks down and is like shit what do I do runs back towards the house at that point is when Dewey walks out the door of the house and he's like Sydney and then he falls and you see that Dewey has been stabbed in the back the first thing that you think Dewey may have died in these movies there's more to come so don't worry we're going to massive progress (laughs) but if you want to kill him in the fifth film we'll have no objections I had someone needs to go one of the main cast one of the main three needs to go um yeah but you are right she she gets chased into the the police car um and you get the funny moment where she's in the car and she thinks she's all good, but he knocks on the window and he's like, dit, 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 with his knife, and then he's like, boop, and just opens his hand and the, the keys are in it, because um, he's got the keys, and then he, he comes through the boot of the car and tries to attack her. Um, but she runs up to the door. She doesn't trust anyone anymore. Um, so she takes out the gun, and she's even, like, holding on Randy, because she's thinking, she even believes that Randy could be it. She doesn't, like, want to not believe that he's not, because she doesn't know who it is. They just, both these people just appeared. And she's like, it could be you, it could be that. So Stu at this point as well is trying to make you believe that um, it's Randy and take off the fact that it's him as well. So he's like, yeah. And she goes in the house, she shuts the door. And at this point, Billy appears at the top of the stairs and he's like wounded, he's injured and he rolls all the way down those stairs. Um, you think, oh, he's just he's just made it, he's just alive. He's like, oh, give me the gun, give me the gun. And he opens the door and he, Randy runs in and he's like, you gotta help me, you gotta help me. Stu's he's gone, gone crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Stu's gone crazy. And he's like, and it's literally that very switch moment of personality and the change of um, personality where he literally just turns around and goes, we all go a little mad sometimes. And then he shoots Randy and Randy falls in and said, he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's like, ah, corn syrup. Same stuff they use for pig's blood and carry. And she goes to run and then um, Stu's there too. And it's unveiled that Billy and Stu are ghost face in the first movie. I mean, I've obviously up until now, we've never mentioned that they are at all. So again, suspend your disbelief, even in podcast world that we've told you they were saying before. <laughs> even, if you have, even if you have seen the movies like we have, just suspend the disbelief, like pretend like we're taking on this journey. We, we, we've not told you at all who the killers are uh, or that there's two at least. And it's kind of funny because they give you the points where Stu's like, it's all part of the game, Sydney. We ask you a question, you get it wrong. Booyah, you die. You get it right, you die. And it's kind of <laughs> that whole thing where it's like, you're, you're not going to win here. Like, it's it's a, a lose-lose situation. No matter what you say, like, you're going to lose. Like, there's no win here for you. Um, and it's unveiled that they framed Cotton Weary for Sydney's mother's death. And he's like, watch a few movies, take a few notes. Um, and she's trying to be like, um, but like, what move? And he's like, I really don't believe in motives. It's a lot scarier when they don't have a motive. And that's something they fought for in this film was the fact that um, the killers didn't really have a motive and the killers needed a motive to bring the film to a closure. And that's kind of where you get the two-sided um, image here. Because you've got Billy has that motive um, because um, in a few seconds you find out that um, Sydney's mother was sleeping with Billy's father and that's why 
um, his mum left them, um, but they are trying to say to Sydney that they, they killed her mother for her own good. Um, her, her mother was a, a, a washed up slut whore. Um, like they flashed her shit around town like she yep. was Sharon Stone or something. Um, <laughs> and let's face it, Sydney, your mother was no Sharon Stone. Um, you have all of these moments, and um, it's unveiled. That's kind of what Billy's motive is, and um. Jumping just to go on the motive part, jumping a few moments later and all that, um, when Sydney asks Stu what his motive was, and he's like, it was peer pressure. So it's kind of one of those moments where you can see then who the much more, not kind of sense, but the much more like leader of the, the pack here was, who was kind of directing what everything was going on and was doing it was um, Billy, but he needed a helping hand, so he had to try and rope someone into it um, to do it for him. Yeah, and like that's. What I was meaning earlier, I think, when when I was like, Stu's not, I don't think he's like dumb. I think he's, yeah, I don't think Stu's dumb. I, I think he's just like the peer pressure and all that. But like, he, I don't know if it's maybe just the way that Matthew Lillard plays him, but it's just something about his performance is so like, it's just so good, especially this part where the, the kitchen scene, I just love it so much because it's just so like extra, but like it just works. Because he's clearly like a psycho, but like, so, and so is Billy, but Billy's more like the, um, he's more like the sort of the, like the mastermind, as you said, the brains behind it. But needed the sort of like the muscle, um, as a lot of them do. And um, Stu was clearly just up for it because he's like, oh, peer pressure, like, because uh, he's such like a childlike character as well. Because like when he's <laughs> when, when Sydney's like, oh, like what's your motive? And then he says, oh, peer pressure, and he's on the phone to her, like whenever she's in the house hiding. And then um, she says, uh, uh he, yeah, she says, oh, what's your motive? And he says, peer pressure, I'm far too sensitive. And then Billy comes back and is like, he hits him again with the phone and she, he comes back and then he's like, did you really call the police? Like, he's so, he's so dumb. My mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, mate, if you're really, like, thinking they're going to be so mad to get that, like, you're, you're like, oh, no, you clearly did, like, any of this through. Um, but I suppose it's kind of that sense if you're thinking, like, you're trying to just your best pal's doing something so you're like you don't want to like miss out or like you want to be a part of it and in that sense even if it means like killing your own girlfriend you're like you know with that one yeah yeah because i mean if you work out the timeline like clearly billy was the one that killed tatum but like Stu must have known it was going to happen so didn't want to do it himself yeah and i bet he didn't expect that was the way she was going to go out anyway because you know he's probably just going to like stab her or whatever um but then like when he runs to the door with Randy earlier and he's like, you killed my Tatum. Like, it's cool. I don't know if he's, it's so hard to tell if he's genuinely like upset or if he's just, because he's a nutcase anyway. Um, and it's just, it's, I just love his performance. It's so good. And he's like spitting and all that. And it's like when he's talking. Yeah, you can see oh. all the salt. Like, it's all on his chin and all that. It's just like, but I think that's the thing with this film. Like, it's not a thing. Like, and you see it, some actors, like they take on roles and they kind of like, downplay them whether as you can see like in this some none of these people were afraid to like in a sense it's one of those things where people say if you're not acting on that you shouldn't be afraid to be ugly in that sense like don't don't feel like you have to like always be this happy like smiley thing that's like don't be afraid to do something that's like ugly like you're getting like down and dirty and all that you're like you're doing something yeah. like outside your comfort zone and you're like that's I think what a lot of these people are like they're like you see the right he's like he had to sit in the saliva like running down his chin and all that and literally it's like everywhere and you're like it's one of those moments where they weren't afraid to just do these things um yeah it's like when he's like, well, let's face it, baby, these days you gotta have a sequel. And he's like spitting on her. And it's just so good. And 
it's nice that he's like the sort of crazy one because he's kind of like likable in a way like a little bit because of that and then like he's still I don't know I don't you don't feel bad for him obviously but you're like oh he clearly was roped into this and like he doesn't know what he's gonna get himself in for and then but he's like my mom and dad are so mad at me it's like oh he's such a like a like a like, a, like the sort of impressionable one and you can and you can believe that he was pressured into this and uh, Billy is just like the psycho who does have the motive non-motive you know kind of thing um and uh yeah and then they bring out um he's like we got a surprise for you Sid and it's like their dad she brings out the dad and it's oh and she's like daddy no <laughs> The, the moment when they bring out the dad too is um, where Billy is like got Sydney and he's like it's after midnight a year ago we killed your mother oh yeah and it's like he's pure like it's like oh my god it's like it's just it's so like it just like makes you feel so like creeped out because you're like oh this is far too weird um, like they planned this so it's so premeditated they planned it like around the time of like it would be like it would fall on the anniversary of like her mum's death and like they set up so like it was like the dad would like the, it was at, like I actually wrote I think like their plan is actually their plan is actually quite clever that they set up to be the dad and that even though like they start taking turns stabbing each other and that's horrible but like we'll get into that but like it it's just such a clever plan like in in the scope of things like especially for the time because I don't know if they had all this sort of like sort of when you like the true crime in me like the true crime sort of um is kicking in and I, I was when I was watching I was like they could ch- easily check like for like handprints and all that but like clearly they you know back then it wasn't as advanced um and we were also subverting the um what's that thing what's the disbelief yes yeah, suspending our disbelief about all that and um it's just a clever plan like uh, and it's it's foolproof until of course the next sequence starts happening and they start stabbing each other in front of her um her dad and her uh, like he's like yeah yeah go for it Billy go for it do me do me and then stabs him and it's like it's like it's such a it's clearly like a fatal wound and then you're like he's like oh you you, you got me too bad and then <laughs> like the, the the fake blood and everything well I mean it's real blood in, in terms of the, the film but like the, the fake blood and all that's just getting everywhere and like it's on the phone and he like hits him with the phone he's like you hit me with the phone dick it's just so good I think it's because it's just so extreme like but it's literally as well it's going to that part in that sense where they are trying to create their own ending in which they survive and it obviously like Sydney and our dad die and it's like it's so weird yeah. that you've literally thought this out and it's like why would you think to like hurt yourself but obviously like you see in Scream 4 too like she does the exact same thing she has like mm-hmm. written her own ending and stuff like that and you're like this is just an extreme level of what you've went to to try and create like this story of something that you're just and like what are you getting out of this nothing like even if they had both like killed Sydney and killed her dad it's like you're not gonna like it's not like you're not getting anywhere like obviously like Jill has a motive in the fourth film to get the the fame that um Sydney got but like yeah. would you really have gotten the fame that Sydney got don't know because she didn't really like it you're not so suffering yeah I'd, I'd, in, the, in the 90s and all that like it definitely wasn't like a like because in the fourth one it's more like a social media kind of sort of influence thing which um they did it okay and uh, and in, in, in this one it's like are they just doing it for like local news fame because that's it was in california it's like you know that kind of thing um but like i think that was really smart in the big reveal at the end how like it's been written by like wes craven and all that who like 
it was that like they they wanted to write their own movie all along, but it's like unfortunately it came at the cost of all their real life friends and stuff, and it's it's awful. In a lot of cases, like I'll, we'll probably talk about one later on after we finish, but it's um, what I mentioned to you about the the ones that were ten years after this film was released, and it was yeah. like based on this. And I was like, and it's literally like when I was looking at the case, I was like, they've taken Billy and Stu's thing and just done it in real life, which is horrible. So, yeah, I mean, and then at this point in the film, like, they think they're going to get away with it, and the, the, their their wounds are going to, like, and, the like, what's it, like, they're, they're, they were left for dead, and they're, uh, like, and because they've been wounded, like, they're just going to be, like, believed to be innocent victims and all. And I think that's so funny, because it's literally, like, your handprints and, all, like, everything, you're, like, oh, I just don't, I don't know. Like, I, I, it's weird to try and understand that part, how that would have worked out, but in their minds, obviously, they're thinking, like, it's cool, we think away with it, but this is obviously the point where what you just said kind of is where they kind of quote that because they're like, she's like, oh, you've watched too many movies, and he's like, don't blame the movies, Sydney. Movies don't create cycles. Movies make cycles more creative. And um, that is kind of, like, something that we spoke about like when I did the Chucky episode and we were talking about how the two little boys had like blamed the movies of Chucky mm-hmm. and someone else had blamed Bride of Chucky. And you see a lot of this, like after the first film came out, like you see there was a lot of crimes and stuff like that that they blamed the movies. And even in the second movie, they kind of touch on that subject themselves because they do yeah. the whole that um, movies, um, like you can't blame entertainment for people's actions and it's like life imitating art imitating life um it's one of those things that you can't really do but it's hard to kind of judge but it's kind of like you would say like you can watch like all these things and all that and say like you could watch something or hear a song or something and say you're inspired by it sadly these people get inspired in a very wrong way to then want to recreate these things in real life which is just a horrible thing to think of why you would want to go on these like killing sprees like you see people did actually try and recreate this in real and you're like what like what like it's hard it's hard to like understand I think and when I was reading about some of them I was like oh my god they just as they said they've taken they're taking inspiration from the film like because they are inspired by it in their minds like but they're trying to blame it on that as if like they weren't already premeditated like people try to like kill their friends and all that and I do think like the cinema violence thing and all that same thing with like video game violence like I don't think it should be used as like in the terms of law to like in a court to defend like because they're trying like in this they're like saying oh we're going to plead insanity and all that by using the, the films like and all that crap and I was just like in real life like they can't like I'm so glad they don't do that because <laughs> they would get away with it <laughs> I know it's horrible so clearly we're not like that no. <laughs> we have a conscience I, I just get inspired to write songs about horror movies like um, oh wait that's right there's a song called Scream by Lola Fierce which is now available on iTunes Amazon Spotify anything you can stream and download your music now if you love it, um, shameless promotion <laughs> jump up into the search tab on Spotify here or Apple Podcast whatever whatever you're listening I'm sure you can search Lola Fierce go go check it out um, 
there's 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 a lovely song called Scream and Last Halloween and Killer Christmas. It might not be Christmas, but don't you worry, go listen to it. Like I said before, there was a wee a wee moment where I inspired by the big British girls who can't act who's always running upstairs and she's going out the front door, it's insulting. It's just like that. And exactly like Tatum said as well, don't kill me, Mr. Gosses, I wanna be in the sequel. Just exactly in that song. It was like, I want to be in the sequel. I didn't realise I'd done that there until I said it, but I did. And it's like playing on that part. You just keep on going with it. Go check them out. Next year, you'll also get Screen Queen, like I've already told you in the podcast. And um, you may get even more horror-inspired music. Maybe, just maybe, some sequels are better than others. Maybe we'll give you a proper sequel like Scream 2.0, a new version of Scream. Change it up a bit. Keep the same chorus. Write new verses. Include new films. Hmm. That, that's what I was going to say, like, in reference to this film, like, or these films, like, we aren't, like, we don't watch it thinking, oh, we're going to be, like, killers or whatever. Like, we watch it thinking, oh, my God, we're the final girls. We want to be the final girls. If this was our, us in our situation, like, we're thinking, because, one, they're, like, usually fabulous, strong female leads. Um, you know, uh, you're kind of just drawn to it more, I think, as, like, especially young queer people. Like, uh, you, you see, like... I don't know what you were like growing up, but I used to want to play with Barbies and all that. And like, I'm just typically very feminine. And then you're like drawn to these female characters on screen, whether it was like this or things like Star Wars, it could be anything horror, could be sci-fi. I was always like, oh my God, I want to like be them. And like, oh, I'm rooting for them the whole time. And didn't really give a shit about the guys in it, to be honest, unless they were like, you know, like gay or queer or like we're different or whatever, or we're like nerdy or something like that, the underdogs. <laughs> I'm so with you there like I wanted to be Buffy I mean I think that's why I probably oh, was like loving Sarah Michelle Gellar and the, the sequel and stuff like that and things and it's like oh, I want to be Buffy I want to be I want to like grow up be Buffy and all that and I think that's where like you're saying that's one of those things it's like you watch these and you're like oh I want to be Sydney and all that and um, the first actual well I made I made a different like a Mean Girls mix before like from like the musical and stuff the first proper mix that I ever made in drag that I actually had performed once or twice um, is actually like a Sydney mix um, and Did it's you got that? I've never seen yeah. you perform it I've got, a, I've got a clip from Scream I've got the big dressy girl who can't act um, I've got that bit in it um, I've got the, f- the first phone call that um, from when she meets him in the second one and then I've got um, the f- kind of final showdown from the third one I didn't include the fourth film um, yet but I'm like I kind of would like to make a new reinterpretation of it but just try to think of what clips but yeah the first one I ever made was that and it was like because I want to be Sydney I want to be I want to be that, that I want to be Sid super bitch um, kind of have that <laughs> moment but yeah that's like an inspiring part of watching the screen where like you want to be those um those female empowered like people that are in it like and like you yeah. say there's the men you're like nah I mean probably Randy I'm like I'm I'm like I'm rooting for you Randy because you're like the outcast guy that kind of didn't fit into the sense but yeah um, and like you say in the second one we say same I'd like the geek get the girl um, all these kind of points but yeah I was never really like rooting for like people like um, like Billy, Stu, Derek, Mickey any of these people that were kind of like nah I'm not not really bothered for you I mean more, more than says oh. where's, where's Gail where's Sydney that's yeah. why I think that's why it's when I'm like as much as coming up to this fifth film, I'm like, one of the three of them has to die. And in the sense, I'm like, if you kill Dewey off, is it predictable that you're going to kill Dewey? Probably, and you probably are. But in the sense, I'm like, I kind of want you to kill like Gail or Sydney because I feel it'd be much more effective. But then at the same time, I'm like, I don't want you to kill them because I love them too much. It was traumatising when you nearly kill Gail in the fourth film, let alone like actually oh. killing her off. Because I, I genuinely thought like, at that moment in the fourth one, it was like when she stabbed her, like if they hadn't turned up and saved her, I would have been like, 
I was literally like, oh my God, they're going to do it. They're going to kill him off. But I, as um, when I watched the Dead Meat um, on YouTube kill count, they were like, he was going to like add her to it. And he went, no, they wouldn't ever kill, they wouldn't kill off Courtney Cox yet from this from this um, series because it's the reason why people come back. But I do think in the fifth one, it would be like shocking, but also like, I would be okay with it because she's been in four films now. Well, a fifth one coming up too. Um, it would be kind of shocking if they, if they end it on the sixth one it would be nice that like Dewey kind of like toughens up a bit more and gets like revenge or something that's my theories oh yeah that actually would be you know because he's always kind of like the doofus like yeah it's Dewey but like even in the fourth one he was he was a bit more mature but he was still like a bit of the comic relief but it'd be nice if like Gail like got you know killed and then like Dewey's like no fuck this like he becomes like a bit more hardened and yeah that would be quite fun but we we can dive into our we can dive into our Scream Five, our name, and go and dive into what we think because there's a few wee rumors that are floating about in the world of um, the internet of what could happen in the film. Um, and at that point, they like say they, they stabbed each other, and then they are now realizing that the gun is missing, the big gun that they've mm-hmm. sat down on the table, and in walks scale with the gun and she tries to shoot him and he's like but I know one thing and then he realizes she tries to shoot and the safety's on and he kicks her over and knocks her out however as much as they don't get killed at this moment it's a very good point because Gail's distraction allows Sydney to escape out and yeah. get away um, not get away completely but it allows her to, to get out of the kitchen and out of their sight um, and obviously, like you said before, at the points where he's sitting on the phone and stuff like that, Stu is like hurt badly and he's sitting there stabbed. And then she phones up and she's like, We're gonna play a little game. It's called Guess Who Got Guess Who Just Called the Police and he reported their sorry motherfucking ass. Um and then like you say, we have all those points where it's like peer pressure. It's like you hit me with the phone deck, um, all these moments and um it's then when Stu's sitting on the phone, Billy's just trying to find her. And Sydney bursts out of the closet with the umbrella and stabs Billy in the chest once or twice. And um, this is actually really the very first time Ghostface is unmasked, in a sense, because you never really got to see Ghostface be unmasked before, because um, Billy and Stu yeah. weren't in the costume. So in theory, Sydney was the first person who was ever unmasked as Ghostface, um, because... And she does it herself. Yeah. She takes off, she's like... She's like, yeah, I don't need the costume anymore. Takes it off, and she thinks like, that's it, because Billy had been tearing up the, the house, and um, and she just came in and surprised them, and then you know it's kind of good that she turned it on him that way, and used the costume as well. Like, I, I, although in the time frame, I'm like, how did she get into? She changed into that so quickly, but you know what? We're gonna um, what's that called again, Lola? Suspend our disbelief. That's it, suspend, that's it. Because I, I think as well, you're right, like how she got her dad up and all that and got all the way out into like the, the corridor which they went in. I was like, okay. But do you know what? We're just, we're just rolling with it. It's, it's a good few moments. Um, but at that point, you 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 think um, you think he's kind of maybe just dead, but I mean, not really. But um, then you realise that Randy survived and he's like, um, she's like, Randy, you should be dead. And he's like, I probably should be, but I never been, I never thought I'd be so happy to be a virgin. And then Billy peers back up. Billy tries to kill Kidney's kidney. <laughs> Billy tries to kill Sydney. Um, and he's like, die. He, he's like, um, 
I don't know if he says say hi to your mother. He says something yeah. roughly along those lines. Um, and it's like really like sinister, like say hello to your mother, like really like above her, and it's like gonna bring life down on her. But Gail knows the safety safety off. She takes off and she shoots him. Um, and he's lying there dead. And Randy's like, wait, wait, wait. This is the moment where the supposedly dead killer comes back for one last scare. And Billy goes, rah! And Sydney shoots him in the head and goes, not in my movie. Um, such a good ending. Oh, it is. It's such a moment that just kind of brings that moment of the... And that's the, first, the last proper, proper line really in the movie because technically the next part is where it goes out and... Um, Gail does Gail's, a sort of like epilogue, like yeah. sort of ending of the film just sums it up. But it's through like a police... and uh, Not police. It's, Gail sums it up through like a news report. Yeah, she's, she's all battered the- and bruised and cut, and she's got her shoes. Her shoes aren't on again because, like, she must have lost them in the accident or something. I don't know. She's given she's the first-hand scene review of it. She's literally right there on the scene first. She's like, "I'm not even going to get like cleaned up or checked." She's like, "I'm, I'm going," and that's kind of says it shows you Gail's character. She's like, "Don't care." She's literally like, "More important things are doing." That's fact of giving the review, and when she gives um, and then um, you get that quick little blink and you'll miss it tease of a ghost face in a phone booth. And then that brings us right to the end of the very first Scream um, movie. And obviously, like we say, there was test screenings of Scream um, before the movie came out. And um, Wes Craven signed on to a two-picture deal, which then spawned two sequels after that, and then another sequel, and a fifth sequel, and a TV show. However, this has been a very long episode. And I think that just because it's such a special movie... That was only appropriate that we gave Scream its very own episode. Just one on its own. So, this means that it's just, it feels like it would just be going on for a little while if we just kept talking about two, three, four, five, and a TV show. Um, but I'm going to keep you waiting just that little bit longer to find out about that traumatic TV show that was Scream the TV show on MTV because you're going to have to come back next week for episode 11. I know, because we're going to continue on and give you all next week, scream the sequels and the TV show. We're going to talk about two, three, four, and the not the potential five, because five is happening. Five and the potential six film <laughs> and the TV show. So make sure to go like, go follow and subscribe and all these things to make sure you don't miss the next part of this amazing, fabulous, very special um, Beyond the Scare event where we talk about the movie that I have been talking about all the way up there. We spoke about Scream and we're about to talk about probably what's one of my favourite horror movies ever, which is Scream 2 in the next episode. So make sure to come back and join us and I will see you all next week. Don't you worry. In case you're thinking, are we not getting a wee chit chat with Amy? Are we not going to get to find out what her scary movie is? Don't you worry. We will get to find out what her next scary movie is because she's staying right here with us all and she will be here through episode 11 for y'all too. So thank you so much for listening and I will see you all next week. Bye.